Hey guys, Hydroberg here, Cut Above Horror Review, episode 93. Tonight we will be covering Wasada, the Bone Woman from 2022, with the help of a first-time guest, Caitlin Grant from Plug It Up Podcast. We also have another huge surprise in store, so tune in to episode 93 of A Cut Above Horror Review for a cracking good time. That starts now. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing the film Wesera from 2023. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. Ordinarily, I would introduce our guest host first, but this is a special episode, so I'm going to deviate from that a little bit. Most importantly, more important than anything we say in this whole episode tonight, I want to say welcome back to our dear friend, John, who we've been struggling without for a few weeks. <laughs> and I am so, so happy. I think I speak for all of us when I say we're all so, so happy to have him back. Welcome back, John. Oh, really thank you, you, Jacqueline. Hydroberg, what's happening? Caitlin, back, so, buddy. so nice to meet you. And uh, Hydroberg, uh, you, you've got Jacqueline's name on yours, too? <laughs> It's yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> oh, you got to tell me later. <laughs> Anyways, it's uh, it's really good to be back. Um, yes, I did have to take care of some personal issues. Uh, I have a bit of an alcohol problem, so uh, I am an alcoholic. Uh, I went to rehab for it. It was a dual diagnosis, so uh, it was uh, mild depression, anxiety, and alcohol abuse. So uh, I spent thirty three days there. I've been 41 days sober, and I haven't felt this good in a long, long, long time. I appreciate you guys. I got out, and it was uh, – this is all voluntary, by the way. I, I needed to take care of this. Um, but, yeah, seeing those text messages from you guys just made me miss you guys that much more. So I'm very, very happy to be back, and I uh, appreciate you guys holding down the fort. Yeah, well, it wasn't the same without you, and um, my heart is like swelling right now to have have you back with us now. So um, I'm happy. I'm we're, smiling we're, from ear to ear. We're proud of you. We missed you. We're thankful for you. Thankful that you took, you know, major steps to take care of your health, and thankful that you're feeling better. That's oh, I am. That's all I'm feeling really great. Uh, just gotta take it day by day, and I'm gonna continue to do that. So yeah, man. There you go. All right, we're here with you. What about the other Jacqueline? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll save the other Jacqueline for last. But okay. in the meantime, I'll go back to my usual formula and go ahead and introduce our special guest host today. It's Caitlin from the Plug It Up podcast. Welcome, Caitlin. How you doing? Thank you. I'm very excited to be here, but I like it's going to be hard to follow that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I set no. a high bar right here. <laughs> you did. You did. But it's awesome. Congrats again. Thank you. And last but not least, it's the other Jacqueline, also known as Hydraberg on the show. What's up, Jacqueline Hydraberg? Too. Electric Boogaloo. Oh, yeah. There I you go. I seen that coming, but I did it. <laughs> John, welcome back, buddy, man. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I'm happy for you. And um, I think you're an inspiration to a lot of people right now. Uh, with- Thank you, Hydraberg. I appreciate it. I, it's the, If people take one thing from it, um, you know, just just do something for yourself or reach out to somebody, you know, whether it is Definitely. a substance abuse or, or it is a uh, mental health thing. You know, we've, we've said it before on the show and I just t- didn't take heed to that. Now that I have, I, I realized that 
reaching out for help is easier than you think. You know, people are going to understand. So thank you. I appreciate it. You have a lot of people that were asking about you. All our podcast buddies that we've met throughout the two years that we've been doing this and everybody in the Slack, everybody was asking, how's John? Where's John? What's up with John? So there's well, a lot of people tell them like and I'll tell you. them myself. I'm not going anywhere, motherfucker. So <laughs> watch good. out. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's the John we know and love. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Jacqueline, well, how you doing? I'm fine. Thanks. How's how's everybody else? What's going on? <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. John, did you watch any Curb Your Enthusiasm yet? Oh, not in <laughs> rehab. I, I I watched a lot of people play this stupid Xbox game called Call of Duty. Uh oh, you're gonna oh, now we're gonna get some hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing else to do. I mean, we did a lot of meetings to stuff like that. And yeah. yeah. Did you make any fans of the podcast there? We get any new listeners? I did. Hey, I did. I, I, I actually plugged it as much as I could. I was going to say, get those listeners, John. Get those listeners. Yeah, a bunch oh, of yeah. drunks and addicts, man, or recovering <laughs> drunks and addicts. We we got a bunch coming now. All, All right. right. Cool. It's a good alternative. Feel like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell them to check <laughs> out our Fried Berry episode. Yeah, come listen to us <laughs> instead. It's a better time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, speaking of podcasts, Caitlin, in case listeners aren't familiar with your wonderful podcast, Plug It Up. Please explain what it is and what it's all about and where they can find you. Yeah. So uh, a lot of a lot of big things happening at Plug It Up, actually. Um, I, I host a show called Plug It Up. It's a horror movie podcast about the monstrous feminine. So looking at gender tropes in horror movies or looking at horror through a gender lens. Started uh, with monstrous menstruation specifically, like movies like Carrie or Ginger Snaps were somebody gets their period and also undergoes a monstrous transformation into womanhood, then got into monstrous motherhood, which we'll certainly be looking at here tonight. And then I was like, fuck it, let's do, let's do everything. So looking at uh, just like any kind of gender stuff in horror. And it's been so much fun. And I, I host the show and I have different people on every week to, to chat about different movies and it's a good time. Um, I have, the boys from straight chilling on occasionally you guys have heard them on i'd love to have y'all on uh in two weeks or a week or so i'll be at my two-year anniversary so i started around the same time y'all did awesome. and it'll also be the hundredth episode and fifty thousand downloads so it's Damn. like a Good time to That's party rad. thanks yeah i'm gonna i have to think of something fun to do giveaway or something like that so yeah I was listening uh, earlier to your most recent episode on the 2004 version of the Stepford Wives, which featured the straight chilling boys. And it was so hard for me to listen because I had so much that I wanted to like say <laughs> through my radio back to you. And like, um, but yeah, I feel like I could talk, talk with you about that for forever. It's such um, a cool property. I mean, the movie kind of sucks. The 2004 movie kind of sucks, but it's such a scary book, especially like economically scary, 130 pages of just like, terror yeah. and then the 75 movie is is good but like i said i'm still waiting for my my like really good stepford wives modern reboot take whatever but yeah yeah it's such a good property so i grew up with the 1975 one sorry we're just this whole this show is going to be about um stepford wives instead i've decided <laughs> um just go with it uh yeah i grew up on the 1975 version which my mom first showed me and so that is like very familiar very seminal to me uh, and I, 
I mean, I've seen it, I don't know how many times. And I just read the book this past summer and John and Heidelberg, I don't know if you guys remember, but I was like I freaking out when I was at the climax of the book. And I was like texting you both while I was reading it, <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, yeah, I treated myself to a first edition copy uh, mm -hmm. when I decided I was going to do it on the show. So now I have my, it's missing the dust jacket, but that's okay. It's still, it still counts, but that's okay. I, I hate I dust jackets anyway. Show. Yeah, like, what am I going to get rid of this anyway? But yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you should you should on Slack send me your full full thoughts. Okay. Yeah, yeah I hadn't seen the uh, 2004 version since it first came out. And so I don't really remember it. I kind of feel like maybe I want to revisit it now that I've listened to your episode because I had forgotten. I remembered that I didn't like it, but I didn't remember quite <laughs> why. I just remembered that it was different. It's got from Nicole the movie. Kidman in it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fresh, off her, uh, fresh mm -hmm. off her Tom Cruise divorce. Yeah, and Matthew Broderick, which was a... A casting choice I'm not sure I agree with. Nothing against him, but just interesting. But you know, there's always a copy at Goodwill. I'm a big Goodwill person. There's like always a copy there. Yeah. And then I think it was on HBO Max and then the original, the 75 ones on 2B. So sweet. Generally accessible. So yep. 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 Yeah. It's it's surprising to me how many men have never seen the 1975 version or either version. Um, I think I think more should. I think old yeah. Ira was onto something. Anyway. Yeah, what a cool dude. I mean, he wrote yeah. Rosemary's Baby, which is one of my other like favorite properties ever. Mm -hmm. Shout out Ira Levin. I think we all know John, how you I feel about that just one. Just leave and we'll leave these two. I'm sure, one eye. <laughs> here, I'm going to mute myself here. John, <laughs> welcome back. Now get out of here. <laughs> just kidding. Bye. Sorry. I knew, I'm sorry. I knew I was going to digress, but I, just, baby, I had to. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> uh, if I ha if I hadn't read those two books myself, I would have thought it was impossible for a man to have such a like dead on uh, yeah interpretation of like the female experience. But yeah, well uh, done. I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just had to talk about that for a few minutes with you because uh, no, I'm so I glad. Like, I love it. I was like, stuff to say. Um, all right, you guys ready for some new horror news? Some new news. New yes. news. Yep. All right. I got a few things here for you. Uh, you may have heard this already, some of you guys, but uh, we all know Stranger Things, the Netflix series. Uh, word has come out that ahead of the upcoming uh, final season, which is season five, word has leaked about a an, an animated series, like an animated spinoff series that's going to be coming up on Netflix. How do you guys feel about that? Well, Hollywood just loves to beat things to death. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nothing new. I, I don't understand. I mean, if they want to capitalize on it, it's going to make a lot of money. I mean, you know, far be it for me to say, no, don't do that. But not interested. I mean, it's it, it's fine. It's a great show and you can have a lot of fun with it. But it's just not really my thing, you know. I don't really yeah. understand why. Uh, you, you still have the fifth fifth season, I think, coming out. Yeah, the yeah, the and fifth we're season already is... talking about an animated. Like, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like it going to be directed episode? by Rob Zombie. Oh, oh no. it's only appropriate that. <laughs> Thanks, Heidelberg. I would love to <laughs> see Rob gets that one do an animated special. That would be awesome. Well, he did have that animated film, El Super Bisto. You guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw bits and pieces of that back in the day. Yeah, it's it's Um <laughs> Yeah, so the the creators said, we've always dreamed of an animated Stranger Things in the vein of a Saturday morning cartoon, like the ones we grew up loving. So that's kind of yeah. the approach that they're going into it, into it with. Uh, it says, we couldn't be more blown away by what so-and-so and his team have come up with. The scripts and artwork are incredible. So okay. they already have some some of the art yeah. done. 
I gotta be honest though, like I feel like they're cashing in on this like, you know, yeah. Saturday morning cartoon nostalgia. They've cashed in on the 80s nostalgia. I'm like, can you give me something that's not tied to like a specific warm memory? Like, are are you actually good or are you just like playing think, to like what a lot of people feel tenderness towards? I feel I feel like they are kind of good, but they're I just wish that I could see them do more with something else. And you know, I don't know if the if lightning will strike twice, but I think they're pretty creative and you, you're right though. Like that first season of stranger things just hits, especially because of all the eighties nostalgia, the Stephen King vibes. And um, I just, I can't see like, what are you going to, what story are you going to tell with an animated film? Like, where is it going to take place in the timeline? Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know who's, we don't, who, and we don't know those details yet. Yeah. So. It just, it'll be it on Netflix. Like Netflix was like, here's a bunch of cash. Can you just create something else? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like animated? this is our one flagship thing that we've got going for us. Please yeah. carry us to cross the finish line. I mean, I I can't imagine anybody's like shocked that they're gonna do this. No, because it has so it has been so immensely successful. And think of all the merchandise and you know events yeah. and stuff that have been created out of this. So I mean, I think it's. I'm not saying it's like good, but I think it's expected that they would you know try to milk every drop that they can out of yeah. this. Here's what will be successful for Netflix is if they, I don't know, somehow reach out to a a couple of horror movie podcasts and Mm. and create their own little uh, Spotify or iTunes channel and bring those in and they'll be successful with that. So that's just a suggestion. I I know a couple. How about you guys? I mean, there's some out there that can really help them out. I know a few. I know a few of the executives listen to our shows, both of our shows. So. Oh, yeah, great. so let's just, you know, here's there's your idea, guys. Make it happen. I know the Duffers. The Duffers are listening. Yeah. The Duffer <laughs> Friends of the show. Netflix. <laughs> or maybe even like a reality show about the horror podcasting world and the community that we have and the drama. <laughs> oh my God, All the so drama. Boring. Oh, the bullshit we talk. Oh Gossip, my God. rehab, affairs. Oh, my God. Who knows? Love triangles. Mm. Love triangles. You know what was funny about rehab? Sorry, I'm going on my di- diatribe. Do it. They had this thing called rehab romance. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. I mean, it's the stupidest thing on the planet because, like, this woman would be married to somebody, but she would go into rehab, be attracted to a guy, and they would, like, there are cameras all over the place in, in this place. It's not, you're not in prison, but you're just, you're in this bubble to protect yeah. yourself to recover. And these people are like running off to the corners, like finding where the cameras are, and they're going to bang like in the middle of the night. It's like the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But it's kind of like, you know, the concept of like trauma bonding. There's also the concept of like recovery bonding. Yeah. I work in recovery too. And it's like, it also reminds me of summer camp. Like if you went to camp growing up, it's like two or three weeks of really intense, like, oh my God, I'm in love with this person. And it's like, no, you're just sharing an experience and you're both like really tired (laughs) from a lot of either physical or emotional labor that you're doing. And it's really stupid because it it kicks into your recovery. I mean, it's just like like, you become codependent again on somebody Mm -hmm. rather than a substance, you know? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people that are addicted to substances might also be sex addicts too. So, you know, some of those. No comment. They can't help themselves. (laughs) No comment. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about it with this movie. <laughs> we will not solicit one. <laughs> but yeah, so see, there you go. Fodder for our horror podcaster reality show. There you go. There you go. Netflix, take notes. <laughs> All right. Hi, people. 
Speaking of non-original upcoming movies, I got another remake to report for you. Awesome. This one's, um, I would say, infamous, but maybe not so mainstream as like some of the Freddy's or Jason's or whatever. Faces of Death. Oh, interesting. Faces of Death is getting a remake. Fuck yeah, I'm down for that. Yep. So the original like fake snuff film, it's getting a remake. How do you uh, it's well, it's being updated for our digital kind of social media online age. And uh it says Faces of Death, one of the somebody involved in it said Faces of Death was one of the first viral videotapes, and we're so lucky to be able to use it as a jumping off point uh for this exploration of cycles of violence and the way they perpetuate themselves online. So that's kind of a little tantalizing. Like a VHS vibe, maybe. That's Did yeah, they, that's the vibe I got from the unfriended that dark web. Yeah, well, unfriended so, dark web. So then the, this article goes on to say the new plot revolves around a female moderator of a YouTube-like website whose job is to weed out offensive and violent content, and who herself is recovering from a serious trauma, and she stumbles across a group that is recreating the murders from the original film. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of the plot of censor. Yeah, it does have censor vibes. It also has cam. Like yeah. I'm just thinking like cam, unfriended dark web, censor. Like there's just so many. So that's who's making it, the filmmakers behind Cam. Oh, <laughs> so there really? you go. Yep. I do love Cam. That's a really cool movie, but Yep. So they're TV. writing and they're writing and directing it and filming kicked off this week. So we can look I'm forward down. to that. I don't know when, but it's it's in production now. So there you go. Did you guys ever watch Faces of Death? Like oh, did yeah. you ever rent it? I saw like I all not. four or five of them. They're they're yeah, they're, they're like those those video nasties like that like nobody was really supposed to like at our age in the video store like we weren't supposed to be bringing those home you know what i mean and we'd watch them because they are so risque you're like oh my god it's have you ever heard of faces of death and then you come to realize that like there's a large majority of the stuff that's on there that's it's fake yeah. a lot of it's fake and then there's like the, the stuff that's real is actually animal cruelty there's a lot of animal deaths and stuff like that that is real unfortunately yeah. but there's no human snuff on the no not really like a lot of the stuff looks kind of realish when you're young and you know in that vhs era but gullible yeah yeah i but, think it uh... was the first one where they actually showed the guy that the the politician that was like embezzling money uh, yeah. shoot himself from the filter <clears throat> the scene song? itself was fake but that was actually based off of a real story oh like a new york a uh, um that's dark yeah, uh, he was a some sort of politician in New York, and he was embezzling. And he's like, "Get the camera away from me! I'm going to shoot my face off." And he did. Uh, they actually took a picture for the for the newspaper just before he did it. But they actually filmed oh. one for Faces of Death. It was based on a true story. It wasn't like like the actual footage of it. Okay. So I've seen that photo, or like I've seen. I'm sure TikToks. Yeah, he's got his hand up and he's got his gun, the, the, the gun like to his chin and he's yeah. like putting his hand up like that. Mm. Rough. Well, so I'm putting that on the schedule right now. We're going to review Sweet. it. <laughs> Faces of Death remake. There we go. Mm. Written in ink. <laughs> All right. Next story. We've got a new topic for the 12th season of American Horror Story coming up soon. Two stars. Emma Roberts, who has starred in many previous seasons. And mm -hmm. I think some of us are aware of this. The second star who's been announced for this season is... I know it. I know it. John? Yeah. Is it Kim Kardashian? It's Kim Kardashian. Sure is, but... Yep. I know. <laughs> I'm a mega fan of AHS. Like, I, I, and that's what I'm saying. I was like, 
And I am an American Horror Story apologist. I was on another podcast, Bloodfest, the podcast, and they were like, hey, Lynn, I like you, but like, why do you like, I don't trust your judgment if you like American <laughs> Horror Story. And I was like, that's fair. That's harsh. Well, that's harsh. Yeah. A little harsh, but like, I don't know. I'm so disappointed. And I hope my only hope is that she's like, the ratings have been down since, you know, for a long time now. And they haven't had like a, they have Sarah Paulson sometimes, but they haven't had a Lady Gaga or a Jessica Lange in a while. So I feel like maybe this is like to spike the ratings. And my hope is that they kill her off in the first episode. And it's like a wonderful, gruesome, awesome send off. That's the only way I feel like I could get behind this. And even then, I don't really want to see her, but that's my hope. I was so bummed. So Maybe her butt implants pop and she just goes flying around Ooh. like a balloon. I know. I was like, do her lip, uh, what are they called? <laughs> lip injections like migrate to like parts of her face and like infiltrate her brain. <laughs> that would be sick. But does her BBL like get fucked up and explode? I, I don't know. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Too, it makes sense. Yeah. She, she is, is kind of an American horror story herself, like watching yeah. her on, on TV all these years. Like, yeah. Well, and I do I... this every season. I'm like, it's going to be so bad. And then it's, like I end up loving it. So maybe I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, so this isn't going to win me any popularity points, but I feel the need to defend her a little oh, yeah. bit. <laughs> Not in terms of being on American Horror Story, but just as a person. Um, I don't I've never gotten a sense that she was like a mean person or like a malicious person in any way. And I actually really respect the fact that the past few years she's been working for like prison reform and she's actually working on getting her law degree and trying to pass the bar exam in California. So, I mean, she's she's gained a lot of wealth and power and notoriety doing things of no importance whatsoever. <laughs> but I feel like she's now trying to enter a new phase of life where she's trying to leverage those things into something that's more positive and impactful on society at large so i i feel like she deserves some credit for that like i have no reason to like hate her I, I so like I, because i work in eating disorders i'm like when people are like oh she's like a good businesswoman or whatever i'm like she sells fucking laxative teas like on instagram like i don't and like you know she comes from a lot of wealth so i like i think i can definitely give her the prison reform stuff that's cool as shit and if you have a fuck ton of money you should throw it behind that kind of stuff. Like find a cause that's worthwhile, put your money behind it. But I guess I'm just like, but it feels performative. Like use your money to do it. Don't like, why are you, why are you going to be a lawyer? I don't well, know. I feel like that she, I think, I don't know. I, I interpret it as her trying to like do something useful with her time and not only throw money. Like she has money, but she also has the time to do True. it. And you yeah. know, if she. I interpret almost everything she, that her and her family does as spin. They're putting spin on something. It's always I, dude. It's like not easy to pass a bar <laughs> exam. It's not easy to that's become true. a lawyer. I'm not saying that's like Hydraberg and, and, and Caitlin. I'm on, on Jacqueline's side on this one. I I do think that she busts her ass. Plus the fact she got rid of Kanye West, which was the smartest thing in the world she's ever done. But yeah, I I, I think she's a sweet person. She almost seems like a genuine. And we I I think it's just human nature to to want to poke fun because you watch so many late night talk shows and they're making fun of king kim kardashian but she's a success yeah absolutely she was born with a silver spoon in her mouth but she's continued that she's grown it exponentially and yeah maybe it is hawking you know eczema cream or whatever it is but i mean she's doing it well so, i mean like at the expense of what like if she's photoshopping all these photos and she's like oh this like detox tea which is a hundred percent laxative like if you're just gonna like sell this detox tea to teenagers so they can shit themselves into an eating disorder i'm like i don't know i don't fuck with that i also i don't know like her her show and everything 
I just feel like it's it's given a really bad image towards like a whole generation of kids that grew up watching this and like holding these people up at like, oh, I want to be like Kim K. I want to be like her sisters and her mom. Like, her, I don't know. It's I a agree. Tricky, it's a slippery slope. I feel like her no. mom pimped out her own fucking daughters to make millions of dollars. And yeah. I can't knock the I hustle. Again. Like yeah. you did you did a thing and you and it was successful and you and you made a brand for yourself along with Ryan Seacrest. But I don't know, like the whole thing just it's always left a bad taste in my mouth. No, I, 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 I hear your point for sure. But I just think like, yeah, yes, I agree that like the cultural impact of like her show and her image and persona and all that have been, I think, net negative. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, in terms of cultural impact and which I think and that's been significant, the cultural impact in, in a lot of arenas. A real, a real woman there who's actually has some, you know, some merit and some decent things. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I want to give credit yeah, where credit's hard. due, you know, like, that. and that's fair. Yeah. It's so, tough to see it when you see all the other stuff. They have, this I, I get that, but I feel like tough. this is maybe a turning point, you know, she's maybe. in her forties now. Maybe she's going to leave some of that other stuff behind yeah, she's a mom, and so. try to focus. You know, she has four kids. Like maybe she's going to try to focus on something more positive. I'm an eternal optimist and I <laughs> yeah. maybe give people the benefit of the doubt too much, but that's, that's the way I see it. And I am a you know hater. What? And I want I, I anybody who wants to be involved with something horror, I welcome them with open arms. If they're I'm genuine. I'm so kind of on team Caitlin right now. <laughs> that's okay. Oh yeah, buddy. so anyway so that's gonna happen um this and connected to what we're talking about tonight you might find this interesting this season of american horror story is going to be based on an upcoming novel called delicate condition oh is Uh, it so cannibal it sounds like pregnancy to me it's it sounds pregnancy related and it says that um ryan murphy says that the screen the screenwriter has written a fun stylish and ultimately terrifying role especially for kim and this season is ambitious and unlike anything we've ever done so it definitely sounds like a pregnancy related theme for the season in fact there was a teaser on kim's um either Twitter or Instagram, where it was like a creepy version of Rockabye Baby. So Yeah, it gave lullaby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, hmm. In which oh. case, Ryan Murphy, hit me up, my dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, let me get right. in on that and help you out, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so that's, I just thought, you know, that's noteworthy. Yeah. Also, last piece, just a little tidbit. Uh, Cocaine Bear is going to be out on Peacock this Friday. So if you didn't catch that in theaters... If you have peacock you'll be able to watch it this week and i fucking bought it i bought it on amazon <laughs> oh no well now you can watch it for free on no peacock. it was okay because <laughs> i was like i want to watch this immediately again so yeah i didn't i didn't catch it the first time around so i will be uh tuning into peacock on friday hopefully and look for the uh, sequel elizabeth crackhead Bank. crocodile mm. it's uh, meth gator excuse you put some respect yeah meth gator makes more sense <laughs> I don't know. I like the alliteration of crackhead crocodile. There was apparently a crackoon, but I did not see that. <laughs> I love the. I like love zombievers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, killing. Like, there's so many. I love an animal horror moment. Heroin horses. <laughs> Heroin horses. Lord. Well, they do call it horse, do they not? They do. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of that. Yeah. 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 What a, oh, Lord. Endless fodder. The, the fentanyl platypus. Mm. Eh, Sorry, they didn't we need work. alliteration. Fentanyl I was wearing, like fentanyl furries, but that's even worse. Like that's, that's, that's a that's weird so group, social group. Yeah, that's, that is a very weird. I couldn't think of an F long. and a fer- ferrets. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. 
frogs. No ferrets. Oh, frogs. That'd be cool. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've got for news this week, you guys. So, so Jacqueline, um, yeah. you picked Huesera. Oh, that was much better. Good job. Mm. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so why? This is my first week back. Yeah. So I picked Wesera because, um, first of all, I proudly subscribe to Rue Morgue magazine. It's my favorite horror mag. And the January-February issue had a cover story on Wesera. And so, of course, I'm, you know, I've spoken about this many times. I'm part Mexican, very proud of that. And so I immediately flipped to the the cover story to read all about this, even though it didn't come out on demand until late February. <clears throat> but I got my issue in January. So I was reading all about it. I was like, woohoo, horror from Mexico. Yeah. Um, and the premise sounded really interesting to me. I am also really interested in the way that motherhood and um, pregnancy and things like that are explored in horror. So uh, during all three of my pregnancies, I've notoriously, and to the horror of some of my friends and family, for some reason, really enjoyed watching those types of movies while pregnant. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So um, <laughs> with my first child, my mother-in-law was throwing me a baby shower and I politely requested that it be a rosemary's baby shower but that's that's so good. That's she so was good. not into that idea so it didn't happen but in my mind it did Look, so. if you ever have another i'll uh, even if you don't i'll throw you one okay thank you we have an inside themed uh baby shower yes i watched that when i i, I watched that whenever i was good pregnant one. too yeah yeah my friend uh my good friend megan friend of the show she um came up to visit me when i was pregnant with my first one joey's out of town and we watched something like I want to say like 17 movies in four oh, days, something like that. And we watched like every pregnancy related movie we could think of. So we we hit up all the ones we could get. So sounds fun, but exhausting. It was. It was <laughs> it was not exhausting. I I, I it wasn't enough. So <laughs> my so. Uh, Too bad Titan wasn't out at that time. I know. I uh one of the categories for horror trivia this past weekend was Monstrous Mothers. And yes. uh I, in my head, I was like, everybody knows these movies, but it was, I think, the least favorite round. <laughs> so I learned my lesson that not everyone has the same niche like horror topics that, that we do. But I'm glad that you do, too. Thank you. You would have crushed. You would have swept the round. Yes. <laughs> so I am a monstrous mother. God damn it. <laughs> so anyway, that, so I was very intrigued by this cover story. And then, you know, looking ahead at all the slots coming up and uh, the release date and everything, I thought, well, I, I don't want to let this one slip away. I don't want to intend to watch it and then forget about it. Um, so I just stuck it on the schedule w when I could. And that's that's about it. So, <laughs> so there you go. So <clears throat> since you did pick it, and I remember this, does this movie fuck or suck? Oh, this movie absolutely, definitely fucks. But... If you're not sure you're ready for the consequences of that fuck, make sure you wear protection. Ooh. Caitlin, what'd you say? I say that this movie fucks. Wait, was that a fucks beyond just the baby making way and in a cool, like, punk rock, uh, repressed lesbian way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, like, what more do you need? There's a lot of good ways to fuck out there. Yep. <laughs> John, the prodigal son, what say you? Oh, boy. Uh... I, I love the uniqueness of this movie. Um, man, it, it hit me. Thank God one scene didn't happen because I was flipping the fuck out and yeah. I don't 
but we'll get to it later. Uh, uh, yes, this movie absolutely fucks, and uh, can't wait to talk about it. Okay. Like in one of those kinky kind of ways. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And Heidelberg, does it fuck or suck for you? Uh, well, first of all, you guys have been mispronouncing the name of this movie the whole time. It's pronounced Hosera. Hosera. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. So that just... bone woman. Yeah, I just wanted to... <laughs> The bone woman. Uh, yeah, so this film fucks you, and then nine months later, you have a baby, and you feel oh. very conflicted about it. But at the end of the day, it's still a fuck. Okay. All right. Okay, a little conflict in there. All right. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks about this specifically. So, John, you want to hit us with that spoiler warning so we can get into it? Sure. We'll be talking about Huesera, uh, <laughs> the bone woman from 2023 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie... Pause the podcast, go watch it, find, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. Yeah. By the way, where did everybody watch this? Because I would have sworn on my life that it was free on Amazon last week, and then I went to go watch it last night, and it was six bucks. And I was like, what the fuck it happened? On Amazon. It also said it was coming on Shutter in Shutter. February, Didn't which normally it, it would have still been there, but... Oh, was okay. it there? Oh, I, I looked for it last night, and I didn't see it. I rented it. I rented it on Voodoo, so... Okay. Yeah. I re- well, I had the option to rent it on Prime, and... I've been doing this a lot lately where I'm like, if I think I'm really going to like it and the price difference isn't that significant, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just buy it. And I've already watched it twice. So yeah, so it's been worth it. So I ended up buying it. All right. I wish I had now, but I was a little, I don't know. I didn't know if I was going to like it. So I feel like uh, this is a good movie that you could even cover on your cast at some point too, like down the line again. So I definitely will. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Hyderberg. Please tell me you have a reach around plot summary for us. I do. I'm going to try and not get you guys pregnant with this one. Oh, my God. Okay. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's no longer possible for me. I'm missing some fallopian tubes. Oh. Not mine. (laughs) No, thanks. They may roll back out. (laughs) I saw mine in a jar. So that's That's cool. That's so cool. I wish I'd kept them, but I didn't. I was drugged up and I didn't think to ask. That's not weird at all, right, John? I think that'd be great. Well, I got a vasectomy, that... so I did, yeah, I don't want to see my freaking little nut thing mm. hanging in there. Incidentally, did you guys know that Mary Shelley for decades, well, maybe not decades, but years, kept the heart of her husband, Percy Shelley, in a jar oh. in her desk? And she was uh-huh. like, fucked on her mother's grave a bunch. Wow. She was real goth. Yeah. Anyways, uh, how about that? Uh... <laughs> anyway. She was real goth. <laughs> She's my hero. Anyway, Hydroberg. Cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I got a retrial for you guys whenever you're ready. I Okay, ready? I'm ready now. I'll be quiet. <clears throat> All right. Motherhood, a scary thought. Valeria, scared of what it's brought. Filled with terror, her vision's fraught. This not the life she once sought. Happy now for what's inside her. Raul, her man, he stands beside her. Can't shake the image of a spider. A woman's body contorted and broken. Of her vision, she's barely spoken. From a nightmare, she's not yet woken. With her family, she's come to blows. While something evil inside her grows, haunted by maternal woes, a sordid past and a jilted lover, filled with regret, she's now discovered. The source of her trauma is now uncovered. The terror in her mind, they begin to attack. They crawl and scurry with bones that crack. She falls asleep, now fade to black. The means to save her baby, she's now aware of. Her tears, they run through her mascara. She's off to face her own with Sarah. Oh, nice. oh so now you're rhyming in other languages. Oh my damn. God, Hyderberg, just next level. It's Hosera, man. 
Oh, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> Hugh I thought Sarah. about putting it in there just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Sarah. Oh, boy. You know, I love the sound design of this movie. Oh, my God. Yes. Holy. It's such a highlight. Just the, the sound I mean, effects just... of the constant cracking. It really, I, like, I didn't realize it at first, but I was just on edge the whole time because of the, the subtle, so the subtle like, like score underneath was, was really good. Well the placed singers. throughout the movie. I even loved the songs that they were using. I couldn't understand them, but I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think the sound design was really um, one of the best accomplishments of this movie uh i think it really creates tension and mood very oh yeah there's a sense of dread from it at all times whenever you hear that just a couple cracks mm-hmm. yeah and it had me cracking like i'm a i'm i was gonna say i'm a cracker and i guess in multiple ways but <laughs> I, mean, I yeah you crack us <laughs> <laughs> but i was definitely doing it along with uh i was like oh and she's not like, I don't think she's doing it at first in the beginning, right? But then as time goes by, she starts getting more stressed out. Yeah. And then she starts cracking her her knuckles all the time. Yeah, I think it's a, a stress response for her, yeah. like an anxiety thing. I think and OCD, like a tick with... or something even, you know? Yeah, like, yeah I involuntarily like... started like moving my neck around when she did that back thing. Cool. And I just went, oh, God, and my neck was starting to get tight. I'm like. We get that neighbor across the street. That's like the first time I feel like you hear the sound a little bit of the yeah. cracking that I'm from, that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And this main actress is one of the hottest women on the planet. There was something about her. She is gorgeous. Um, I fell in love. She got uh, yeah, I was I was immediately in love with her. I was. I have it in my notes. I said I was drawn to Valeria right away. And Jacqueline, I know what you're going to say. She's she's beautiful in my type. Yeah, but, she's uh, exactly your type. <laughs> she but was, there was something just about when... her. When she had the short but like when she had the buzz blonde hair, I was like, yeah. that's more yo, that was me in college. That wasn't the same yeah. actress though, right? That was a that was a younger version of her, I right? I think it was a different actress yeah, was. playing both, both um, them, yeah. Valeria and yeah. Claudia. Um, yeah, that reminded me of Angelina Jolie in the movie Hackers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, with that actress, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Something mm-hmm. about the way she carried herself too in the first couple scenes, like when she's walking up the steps and they go to that statue and there, something in her eyes too. I felt like uh, just the way she's like acting with her eyes. I thought were is really impressive. They're big and expressive. Which yeah, is good for, for like Daniel Kaluuya a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I, thought- I like that beginning scene, the opening scene of them just going up the steps, and that it's like I don't the know, it's pretty interesting imagery. Yeah, with that the statue that was the uh, statue of Mary, right? Um, yeah, and it was La Virgen. Yeah, and it was like they transitioned into this scene of someone walking with the burning shroud on them, which we realized later on who it is. Mm-hmm. But it's all this like, like religious imagery. I like that. That is pretty striking. And um, the statue I was assuming was like for fertility, possibly. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's they the reason they went belly. there. She's. I mean, she does a lot of things for a lot of people. I mean, the Virgin, like yeah, in a lot of Hispanic culture, a lot of Latino culture, she's a lot of things, but in that instance, yeah, they that had her bless statue. the womb. Yeah. 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 And there was like the young, like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Like a little like a boy, yeah. like a, yeah. a young boy. I tried to find where that specific location is and I could not find it. Um, I, I thought maybe it might be CGI, just the, the look of it. Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't sure. It was so either. huge. Yeah. It was so yeah. huge. I mean, That's I feel like, said. I feel like it would be more findable uh, through Google if it were real. 
Yeah. Um, but I was I was trying. So I guess that I would like for that to be the explanation because I was frustrated that I couldn't find it. But something about it, that opening scene, I mean, it established so much without like needing a lot of dialogue and stuff yeah. to tell you what's going on. But it tells you, you know, it shows you what this woman wants and, you know, one of the lengths that she's willing to go to to get it. Um, but I also found the visual of it unsettling and sort of set an anxious tone for me right away. Um, there was something about like, she's praying and she, you know, she's at this, you know, altar, but then when it, when the camera pulls back the score kicks and you, in. you, yeah, the, there's like a, a low kind of quiet and sinister mm-hmm. music that kicks in, like you said, and it's, it's not overt. It's not in your face, but it's just kind of underneath what's going on. And, so that begins right as you start pulling back to to start getting the full scale of how large this statue is. And I personally, for reasons that I don't know how to explain, it really made me feel very anxious. Something yeah. about the hugeness well, of it and the smallness of the people. And it's almost kind of like embedded in this mountainside yeah. or cliffside. I think um, it's supposed to definitely give us the the sort of indication that this is going to have a huge presence in her life, right? And it's going to be foundationally yeah. much larger maybe than she thinks it's going to be. Motherhood, yeah. pregnancy, the whole shebang. I thought it was it's- a really good blend uh, or melange, if you will, uh, of like the scene, like the imagery was very beautiful, that statue and the the, the camera work was really good. It was. The pilgrimage, like the trek up there with her family and... Um, and we just get introduced to her and then made the pan back. Yeah. Like you get that unsettling, just the shot itself is sort of unsettling. There's like a darkness around it mm-hmm. because of the woods where, where it's mm-hmm. set. And then the score kind of kicks in, but just very subtly in the background. And it just, yeah. there is, it's like this ominous like tone right away. When, as yeah. soon as that scene came on, I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I think I'm- the director kind of missed the opportunity to use more color saturation because there was one scene that I really, really loved of, um, the the uh what's his name raul and val are sitting in the doctor's office and finding out that she's pregnant and the color of blue was behind the doctor and the color of pink was behind the couple mm-hmm. and i thought i thought they could have used more of that like make it more ominous or or if it was a happy moment like a scary we, pink no no <laughs> it actually it, it was a, it was really good I, I i like the way they used it you know the colors of blue indicate yeah, a boy, boy and girl, yeah. a girl and i i like the way they use that but there were some other scenes where it was just kind of normally lit. Like the, the, the one scene where the two kids where she's babysitting the two kids, they could have had like something like a red or something like that. When, when you see the shadow of this Huesera, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think, I thought that was a missed opportunity. Okay. Interesting. To be honest, I didn't really notice that to be honest. Um, because I thought the composition of the shots was so beautiful, but I, if I, I think if I, if and when I rewatch this, because I feel like this is definitely a rewatch for me. But um, yeah, I'll I'll pay attention to that and where I think maybe that could have been used. There is a gritty nature to the filmmaking too, and I don't know if that's a budget thing or just be a part of the design. I think it works well for the film. I mean, it's taking place in Mexico. It's taking place in a place that doesn't look like it's like a little bit impoverished um, and just like. I just kind of like the raw nature of things. Like every time they're out in the daytime, it's not brightly lit all the time. It's, I don't know, like it's just really well shot. And I think the lighting is, there's probably a lot of natural lighting I think they're using here too. Mm -hmm. 
and I just kind of like uh, I kind of like the way it looks in most scenes when the when there's scenes in like the darkness in the apartment and stuff. I think they work really well. I love the way it's shot when Octavia like comes into the window when they're driving away from her parents for the first time, and she's kind of lit by the street light, and yeah. she's got this like. I don't know when I didn't know any I I, I kind of guessed what the movie was about, but I didn't read any synopses or anything. So I didn't know what role Octavia was going to play. But I thought like maybe she was dangerous or violent. And that's the vibe she gives, like half in the shadow with the streetlight cast on her. And then you realize sort of like, oh, it's not a dangerous type of shadow. It's sort of like a sexy temptation type of shadow. And then when we are back in her apartment later, it's also like very striking sort of like streetlight slash moonlight hitting them at various so angles and times <laughs> it's like a little sultry during it's that so scene sultry. actually uh valeria is like almost in trance for a moment right before she sees octavia um, who wouldn't be i mean <laughs> but i also noticed when ha, later on the way the other the next scene plays at her apartment there was a woman on the balcony and that was what grabbed yes. her attention at She's, first. That, she, she was she seemed weird. like distraught like she she Distracted. zeroed in on it specifically and then when she sees her older friend on. she was sort of like oh my god like a friendly yeah. face and then mm-hmm. we get that balcony scene later with mm-hmm. another woman on the balcony. So I was like, okay, they were kind of tying that in. Maybe it's something that's yeah. I don't did know if Raul the, I think it was knew... the same. I think it was the same like vision, same yeah. the same apparition. Did, did Raul know the history of Octavia and Val? Yeah, because he yes. calls her out on it later. Yeah, well, he, well, it sounds does. like well, it, it sounds like he knows who she is. I don't know that he knows that they were like gonna Love run her. away together and all of that. But it sounded like he was like, "Oh, she hasn't changed a bit." Not like, "Babe, your ex is like coming on to you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah like he knows that they were uh, an item. Right is the impression that I got. Um, can we talk for a minute about Valeria's family? Yeah, mm, Fuck, I, man, I have a lot to say about the family. I say it. Shout out to the aunt. Like, yeah, I just, aunt's awesome. As someone who grew up with a lot of aunts, and just like the importance of an aunt who gets it. God, mm-hmm. she's just like such a little saving grace, and the fact that she's like, you know, she's like, oh, my friends are here, and it's like lesbian brigade, and I was like, yes, yes, auntie, <laughs> like that's what I want to see. Go hold hands with your. They like, called her the spinster. The, yeah, yeah, spinster. She I was like, no, she was spinster. <laughs> she got her own stuff going on. I love her. The sister was just a painful, painful watch. And like, you know, you can't totally like, I kind of get her sister's point of view. Like, don't come yeah. to my kids. You fucking hurt my kids. And at the same time, it's just painful to watch. Like, she's not happy for Valerio. And she's like, yeah, congrats. I guess you've never really been a kid person, though. It's like, dude. Yeah, but everybody off. has that changing point in their life. So, so not everybody's just right away wants kids, but then they have one and it changes everything in their life. So. Well, it's like, you know, she's just like not happy for her and she can't bring yeah. herself to find any sort of excitement for her. And instead of being like, hey, like you'll have this opportunity to be a mom and, and you know, X, Y or Z. She's like, well, you've never held your niece or nephew. And remember when you fucked up that one kid? And yeah. It's like, yeah. The fuck kid down the stairs. Well, it's is like, bad. what is what can she accomplish by saying that at this yeah. point? Like if, bitch. If, if Valeria had come to her earlier and said, I'm thinking about getting pregnant. What do you think about it? Then I feel like that's an okay thing to say, but maybe say it nicer. Uh, but yeah, like she's pregnant, pregnant, dude. Yeah, you like once you're like... pregnant, like you don't say, mm, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's. There's a, there seems like there's some animosity built in before we get to this this scene. So something well, and else. Like, and we learn later that the sister really doesn't have much right to be on her high horse no. because she's living at her parents' house. Yeah. With yeah. her kids, and Valeria says later, like, well, if it weren't for mom and dad, you'd be out on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So who is she to talk about who's fit to be yeah. a mother? I think uh, she's probably maybe been jealous a little bit of her sister because her sister, when she was younger, was living her life how she wanted to, you know, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she even she says, like, out. you're so fucking fake. Like, you know, I, I wish everyone could see how fake you are. And it's like we, we kind of get this, I guess, indication that there was an older brother and he died. And then Valeria kind of like steps into his shoes as this like poster child that goes to college and like does the good things mm-hmm. and like checks everything off the list and i guess there's some like hydrobrick said some resentment from that sister that you know oh now you step up in me the golden child you're fake as shit like we all know that yeah this the is sister not the probably life. stayed at home yeah. and helped mom around the house and she resented that from her so own i can say that is definitely a thing like do, do you think we're to understand that um what is the sister's name again victoria or something like that? veronica Vo- I, I think they call her Vero, so that leads me to believe it's like Veronica or something like that. But um, am I did, like? Did Vero, you guys interpret yeah. her as being like the older sister? Vero, I think yeah. she was. I she acted like an older sister, but I think she's younger. She oh. kind of looked older because she looked like... older and she already had kids. But like when they talked about when they have the flashback and Octavia and Valeria are like, she's like, "Oh, well, my like your brother died. I can't believe what happened to your brother." And she's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, now I'm gonna like kind of take on his." thing going to college whatever that she's sort of like stepping into that oldest child sort of like i'm gonna be the good example for Mm -hmm. my family or whatever because then later we get um octavia's like oh well you know the the implication was that she was gonna stay around and be this i don't know red winner type of successful person for her family and octavia's like you haven't really been around (laughs) yeah thought that was the whole plan of dan the reason i question which sister is older is because it, it it is it is still not uncommon in many Mexican families for like the if there's only one daughter for the daughter or for like the older daughter to be like the good daughter and like stay at home until she gets married and like take mm-hmm. care of the parents as they're aging and like that's not uncommon and so um I mean I imagine it's becoming less common as we kind of move you know forward in time but I mean it's it's that's kind of a deeply rooted thing and so it's like if Vero was staying at home and you know raising her kids even if it's because she needed to she was still probably helping out the parents and I think she probably felt like she was occupying the good daughter role Mm -hmm. by like having I have I've given you grandchildren I'm gonna stay home and take care of you and then Valeria goes on and then she turns herself into like the good daughter and she's living a nice life with this husband and she's gotten pregnant and so I can see there being like a lot of envy and like yeah. Or you're yeah. taking my position in the family, you know. We don't see a husband around for the sister either. Right? No. We don't know Mm-mm. what happened. We didn't get a story on that, did we? I mean, this is right. my first time watching it. So yeah, we didn't get a story what happened with her, the father of her kids. No, but it's I mean, I guess he could have died. He could have left. Um I think it's not super yeah, uncommon to, for like, you know, men to maintain like two families sometimes and i've seen this in my family i won't go into detail but like it's just uh it happens so we don't we don't know but i mean you can you can suppose lots of things but um, i'm like get off your high horse your kids fucking suck like yeah they're assholes (laughs) yeah your kids are i mean in that scene they definitely are yeah yeah the daughter not as like the daughter spilled the water i don't think she did it on purpose no it was an accident but the son was sort of like a dick was, yeah. calling her out on like Amazing dropping the kid down the and stairs they, right they even acted like, 
Like well, after the after the fact, it's like, oh, he's limping around. It's like, stop fuck. You felt yeah. you felt like going up the steps, bro. Like, come on. Well, and even the mark on the daughter's arm, like I thought like that was just from spread. Valeria's like fingernail. Like, She's like yeah. grabbing her, trying to get her to see. So I didn't his... see her pee herself either. So I was sort of like, are they making this up a little bit just to like could be make her look bad? So here's like a, a major thing in the movie, which is like I feel really bad for Valeria throughout almost all of this um, mm-hmm. because she's so beset from all sides. Like there are supernatural horrors happening here and there are real life horrors happening here. And I think that they all they, like they all represent each other. <laughs> but yeah. um, but some of the real life things that she's going through are very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the second you tell people that you're pregnant, it's like you are immediately so subjected to like scrutiny, judgment criticism expectations disappointment what do you mean you're not gonna breastfeed what do you mean that yeah. you're you're She's gonna get this crib or whatever yeah and so, yeah mm-hmm. and so it's like just constant judgment it's like you really are treated like a child and so i i really picked up strong rosemary's bite rosemary's baby vibes in this from the moments where she is treated like a hysterical female and i was well, like digging my fingernails into my palms so much during this movie because i was like mm-hmm. It's definitely the scene where they go and get her on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. It, it very much reminds me of when Guy from Rosemary's Baby is like, you have the prepartum crazies, toots. And it's like, they're talking about her like she's not even there. Like mm. it's the doctor and the uh, yes. mother-in-law and Raul. Yes. And they're like, and the, yeah, the doctor asks Raul, yeah. And the doctor asks Raul, Raul, like, is this okay with you? Are you yeah. ready to move forward with this? And he's like, yes. And he doesn't like, ask her. But yeah. so the thing like with the kids right specifically the niece and the nephew they're living in a world where nobody believes what she's telling them which to be fair it does sound nuts right but like Mm -hmm. okay they don't believe her but if you take what she's saying at face value and if you understand that she believes what she's saying and and if you assume that what she's saying is true then the way she behaves is totally reasonable yeah. If there was a an intruder or a supernatural entity getting into the house, she absolutely should grab those kids and drag yeah. them up the stairs and lock the door and tell them to shut up and like and her maternal instincts therefore are correct yes, and like honed exactly. in. Like, right. did exactly that's the correct what she should response. have done. But yeah. like the number of times a man in this movie tells her relájate which means relax. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, the doctor Alma, Alma. In, the, in the first scene, the doctor says to her, relájate, mujer. Yeah. And the subtitles translate to just calm down. But what it really means is relax, woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. first of all, I'm mad at the subtitler. But, <laughs> but second also- of all, excuse me? Like we get some of the infantilization that comes with a lot of pregnant women. And that's one of the things that I like about monstrous motherhood. It's like, there's the two sides of it. Is your experience with motherhood monstrous? And is your mom a monster? Like there's a lot of avenues to explore. And she is both because she will talk about like she does some things that are pretty monstrous mm-hmm. to her baby. And <sighs> her own experience around motherhood has been monstrous. She's haunted by this Waseda. She's like, you know, which is probably her shadow self or some representation of herself. Yeah. But it also explores a lot of the things that... So I... I don't have kids and I, I I never want to have kids. I like kids. I just, I know they're not for me. And one of the things that I'm experiencing as a, an aunt or friends, like a, as my friends have kids is this loss of identity 
that a lot of people experience when they become a mother. It's like you lose a lot of your sort of ability to enjoy and take part in hobbies. We see her craft room, her workshop becomes yeah. a nursery. We see like the box of her, like when she was doing like, you know, punk rock feminist activist work, like shoved away, the guitar shoved away and completely losing her identity as an individual. And it's so hard to see. And I think most modern feminist discourse would say like, you, you know, you don't have to choose. There's not a dichotomy anymore. You don't have to choose between being a mom and being a full person. But there are still some sacrifices that women have to make as moms. And I think it, I, I really appreciate that the movie showed those, you know, they're mm -hmm. not showing her as able to like do it all. <laughs> and that there is a struggle there and a challenge and those two kind of butt up against each other. And that's a really fair feeling for her to have this total loss of identity combined with the body horror of her bone cracking stuff, but also the body horror of being pregnant. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it's really yeah. interesting. And then yeah, I think I, there's I, the go go ahead. Ahead. no good. The just I think there's like regret and the life that she's living at this moment is not necessarily the life that she wants. You know, um, she's with Raul, and there there are moments where I feel like they have a good relationship. You know, um, and Raul does care for her, and he cares for the baby. But you know, we see that she's she still pines for her old flame. You know, a woman and a different lifestyle that she's not living anymore. She's almost living a different lifestyle for someone else. You know what I mean? And well, the baby seems like another thing to check off the list was like, we got to have a baby now. You know what I mean? And her, her mother right. wants to have a baby. Her mother-in-law wants to have a baby. Raul wants a baby. Mm -hmm. And well, then after like, the opening it, scene, it, it, it's like they have that sex scene and the look on her face is yeah. just, is priceless. It's you know, she's awkward. just like, oh, hurry up, go ahead, hurry yeah. up. It's like you know, just, it's just appropriate. Like, get this done. And she's not yeah, satisfied. She's got the legs back. up, and she's like, let's get oh, this. God. Yeah. But even later, <laughs> when like they are having a really tender and sort of like fun romantic moment when they're wrestling on the floor, like because mm -hmm. I do feel like there is a lot of love there, and that's yeah. one of the moments that we see it. And then later, like they go to have sex, and he's like, oh, I don't want to hurt the baby, and she's like, yeah. you know, she's but like, it's natural. But I, mean, I think his fear is natural, but I, I think it was yeah, that's really it good at encapsulating like like so much of my life has already changed. And she's like, but there is no baby yet. And he's like, what are you talking about? Of course, there's a baby inside of you. And she's like, I don't even have the baby. And I'm already relegated to this like very specific type of sexuality that I can even express with yeah. you, which is yeah. I, I just underscores like maybe some re like regretful motherhood, maybe some, you know, her shadow self is coming out as this with Santa person like. We don't want this. <laughs> so, Caitlin, I, oh, I have so much to say about like, just all the smart things that you guys are are getting to into in, like in the meat of this movie. Um, so going back to something you said a few minutes ago about like modern feminism kind of telling women like, you know, you don't have to choose like you can still be a full person. I feel like that's true, but it has some caveats to it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there I think a lot of that, the ability to do that, to maintain like a full sense of personhood while also being a mother depends on the support that you have around you. 100%. Like if you're yeah. a single mom and you're struggling to raise your kids and you don't have a support network, that's not really realistic. Or, or if wealth, you have, like if yeah, you exactly, have, like, exactly. Like, if you're struggling that... to make ends meet, yeah. you know, that's not going to be possible. Or if you have, or if you do have a partner, but that partner's not supportive of your continued personhood you know if you're if you have a partner who thinks of you only as like okay now you're just going to be a mother to my children like you need to sacrifice it like 
you know, there are people like that out there. And so, and I'll say like, it happens in all kinds of couples. Like my cousin and her wife are lesbians and they have two very young children and they're both feeling it. And it's not like a, it's not like a heterosexual pairing where like the man or like the husband in this equation is, you know, robbing one of the identity. They're like, I, we both feel like we've lost it in motherhood, even though we're both the moms, you know, like it happens regardless. Well, and like, I, I still feel like in hetero couples, there's, I think that like modern men are like aware, more aware of this than they used to, than they used to be like say in the fifties or sixties. But like, I still feel like there's an unintentional tendency to like, for the mother to be the default parent. Um, And And it's different. It's it's different. And they even make it a point to have it. There be like a mother's day scene in the movie. Cause that's Mm -hmm. different. You know, yeah. and motherhood, especially in Mexican culture, is different than fatherhood. You know, it means something different. And the, yes. there's a lot more that you carry. So there's this constant comparison between mothers and specifically Valeria to um, La Virgen or like the Virgin Mary, like Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Guadalupe. Um which is like a very venerated figure, right? And motherhood is tremendously venerated, I would say across all cultures, but like, especially in Mexican culture, it's like, you're like on a pedestal. But the thing about that is like, it's also a prison. And I feel like there's a lot of prison imagery in this movie. Like, if you are held up as a a figure to like worship, it's like, there's a lot you can't do. There, yeah. There's a lot yeah. in life that you're cut off from to maintain that venerated position. And it like. I actually found myself thinking of the our martyrs episode from last year because there was that line in martyrs about like a oh, women make the best martyrs. And I can't remember what the exact line was, but it's like, yes, women like just throughout history. It's like we are expected to sacrifice more. That's just that's my perception. And I feel like women don't want to be martyrs and we're not martyrs like we're human beings and we want to be treated like human beings and i don't want to be worshipped if it means that i can't be a human Mm -hmm. it's like like oh well you know she's a mother first before anything else and it's like well no maybe (laughs) not everyone feels that not not everyone's relationship to motherhood is is that you know some people don't feel that way. Some people do, and that's fine too. But that's certainly not a universal experience with of motherhood. And what you were saying about the prison, I, I like the the spider metaphor that we get mm-hmm. when she goes to the aunt's friend and they do the egg cleanse, which like mm-hmm. I was like, I love, I love in any horror movie, but especially in la- like Latin American horror movies where they combine like very traditional Catholicism and then like sort of like grassroots homegrown. Like when it's combined, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. this is exactly what I want to see. But mm-hmm. when they do the egg cleanse and this, she's like, it looks like a spider web. And like, she's got you like wrapped up tight in this like spider web jail. I was like, and it mm. looks like a home. Yeah. Well, yeah she's it. like, it's your home, but also a prison. I was like, mm. yeah. well, and there's, there's several shots throughout the movie of Valeria through the bars of the crib. Mm-hmm. So there's like it, it looks prison like, but also it's like a separation between her and her baby. There's yeah. Like and how many times has she like them. had a moment of panic or something where she had to open a window and get fresh air, or go out on yeah. the balcony, and get she's always out leaving the window moment. open. Yeah, and we see we see like she's a very creative person. She's good at crafting things. Like that's like her home business that she's been doing, crafting furniture and stuff. She yeah, she's really strong crib. and independent. Like yeah, she's building the crib. She's building the cradle and. 
she's like a source of creation and then <laughs> she becomes a create you know she's creating life and at some point but she's got to sacrifice the other thing she likes to create in order to well i mean she doesn't have to but she chooses to or she feels that she has to you I mean, know she what i mean kind of like, has to yeah well yeah well, like, <laughs> and it I looks never, like there's a moment where they talk about the 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 shop right i think the mother-in-law mentions it right and so she has to kind of move her shit out of there yeah so it's it's yeah. it is a touching scene when she's got to take everything off the walls and stuff and Dude, it's kind I of hard that. Like, i felt that so hard <laughs> yeah well and raul like that he goes to work like a couple times and it looks like he works from home so like they both kind of work from home but like hers is the one that gets turned into the nursery and yeah. it's like damn that kind of she's the I, default. I just, yeah she's the default in 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 so many ways like that's a whole other conversation that is very near and dear to my heart but i just watching her with like move out those boxes and take down the little like paint marks where she knew like which wrench to go where i was like oh i love this and i'm so sorry and they covered up with wallpaper i I, I want to go back on raul because raul i think we've already mentioned that he was very loving at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was blatant scenes where he's just like losing his patience with Val. And then there are subtle scenes where he's just done with her and he's more focused on his daughter. Did you notice like when they came home and he's holding her and she's so cute. You got to look at her. She's like, yeah, I looked at her. I always look at her. And then uh, he's like, I got to go to work. I want the boob. So he hands the baby off and he kisses the baby, but just walks away from from Val. was he there's some tension there too because we get the sense that val hasn't really wanted to spend any time with the baby since she's had it um it's also it's not like he's like oh the baby wants mom it's like the baby wants wants the the boob it's like i wasn't sure if that was just like a language thing where it's sort of i don't know it was like something that's more of a cultural thing the long discarded taco bell slogan yo quiero chichi (laughs) (laughs) well Um, like i I mean i've heard definitely folks in the u.s like or just an english-speaking language refer to it that way too but i think just in this instance in particular it reinforces that like you know i like i'm kind of reduced to like what i'm able to do for this baby right now which like that is a sacrifice that parenthood entails Mm -hmm. and it sucks and like that's a consideration Maybe that she has a regretful-ish question mark mother now. Didn't yeah, just see, th- there's a lot of symbolism in this movie, and it's just it's blatant and it's also subtle. I mean, it's like like to me, Jacqueline being the mother of three. I mean, didn't you identify that as being postpartum depression? Yes, I think she's definitely suffering from. Yeah, postpartum. so I I am so thankful that I did not struggle with postpartum depression. But so even without that new motherhood is absolutely the most surreal overwhelming good and bad experience that i've ever had in my life and i cannot imagine overlaying postpartum depression on top of that like i don't know how those women make it and dealing um, with like this entity possibly that yeah so like i'll just say about breastfeeding since we're on that topic of yo quiero chichi i will say that there i definitely thought to myself many a time i feel like a dairy cow like Mm -hmm. i don't feel because you're so if you're breastfeeding like if you're choosing not to bottle feed you have to be up every two hours around the clock to feed this baby and it's not two hours from when you finished the last feeding it's two hours from when you started so if the feeding takes 45 minutes that means you get to sleep for an hour and 15 minutes and then you're up again to feed and so and like no matter like Daddy can't help with that, you know, like daddy can help in a lot of ways, but he can't breastfeed. And it does, especially when you're so 
sleep deprived and like your soul like all of your biological functions are pointed at like keeping this baby alive and so yeah. you really do feel like a robot you feel like you don't really feel like a human being during that period of time especially when the feedings are so constant it's like this is why i'm alive right now is to like keep this baby alive i feel like a machine i thought mm -hmm. that to myself many times but i well, also in a oh sorry go ahead well i was gonna say there's this like you know and i imagine she is super sleep deprived and she had some like um prenatal uh psychosis question mark or depression and, and things like that but there is and I, I like that so many horror movies explore that like when you think about the omen like and she's like I mean Damien's a little older so maybe that's not the best example but this th this thought like is my baby the devil or like is my baby possessed was this the result of x y or z copulation with satan and it's like is it postpartum psychosis or is it are you fucking sleep deprived, hungry? And that's Sorry. contributing to like hallucinatory stuff. And I think that's like a fair and interesting thing to explore, you know? Yes, because it's real. Like it's yeah. absolutely real. But there's also like social effects. And this kind of goes back mm. to like the infantilization and like the cutting off of like being human. And it's like when you're like when you're breastfeeding or just what, even if you're not breastfeeding, even if you're bottle feeding, you become very isolated. Like, um, my husband's family lives near us and they live near us, you know, from the time that our, our first child was born. It's like, we would try to have them over like, oh, come over for dinner or whatever. Like, let's celebrate 4th of July or whatever. And like, I, I almost spent no time with anybody mm -hmm. in the family. Or if like my mother came to visit or my friends came to visit, I'd have to go like feed the baby every, like every hour, it seemed, you know? And it's like, I was, I was really feeling a sense of like being left out. Like it's not isolation. Like you're literally isolated. Yeah. Like everybody is doing something else. Everybody is sharing family time. Everybody is celebrating something. Everybody's doing something. And I can't participate in that. I have to go or somebody's going on a hike and doing this. And oh, I can't. I yeah. have to stay here with the baby. It's like you start to like your brain starts to go in some weird places and feel like, what am I like? What what is this? <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like if you did have like a predisposition to uh, either postpartum psychosis or you know whatever i'm sure it'd be amplified by the lots of time spent isolated and alone and sleep deprived and hungry you know and especially when you're up at like two in the morning and it feels yeah. like you are the only person awake and this baby will not stop crying it's I, like I, and i felt i felt so bad for her because she was like like she played that that part really well where she was exhausted and she's putting yeah. ice on her nipples mm -hmm. you know just because like she's in so much pain or whatever and it's so I, painful I dude so painful. It. god dude it is not sexy at all <laughs> so hard. no 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 that, i i didn't think that at all I, the, yeah. the lesbian sex scene yeah that was very hot uh, well notice that she got naked with octavia but she didn't get naked she didn't with get naked with her husband they were also very like she and Octavia were like face to face, like all up in it and naked. And I, I do so think she likes Raul, but it was yeah. like damn. And Raul was kind of just like, uh, uh, uh. I'm done. I feel like her relationship Raul, like Two her sister jump. is a little correct though. Her relationship with Raul is a little fake. Like she's mm -hmm. faking it a little bit because these this is like a role that she thinks she needs to move into, like the next stage of her life. And well, she to satisfy behind. her family. She's she got. Yeah, she left behind. To live really, that truly that wanted. happy family. Yeah. Well, I have a question about that. And so, this ambivalence that she's experiencing, like I want this thing, but I don't want it. First of all, I yeah. think that's really normal. Like I yeah, think it's okay to like. 
I mean, with anything, but in this case with motherhood, it's okay to like want it and not want it at the mm -hmm. same time. Yeah. And I feel like that needs to be way more normalized. Yeah. Like, Gotta be overwhelming. Are, this is not going to be a beautiful experience all of the time. <laughs> like, and it's also not like a, I've made my decision. It's like, uh, yeah. you can like waver on yeah. it. Same yeah. with her sexuality. It's like, She's like, oh, I. she married Raul. So like there was a certain decisiveness that, that happened. But she's like, she even tells Octavia, she's like, I think I want to be with you. And she's like, you yeah. think or yeah. you want? Yeah. And that's right. also like very fair I, as a bisexual person. I'm like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. not to play into the like, <laughs> you know, sexuals are confused because that's its own thing. But it's like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine, especially as she enters this season of her life where she is going to be one kind of specific role. I bet she is missing the wild time she had with Octavia and like this cool punk rock. There was passion stuff. there too that we're not oh, seeing. Oh God, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but it makes me wonder. Okay, she's ambivalent about this. The part of her that doesn't want this, it's very well illustrated that part of that is like her past pulling on her, like it's like a longing for the freedom and the kind of wildness and this more free version of herself that used to exist. And that still exists in her, but is being tamped down. Right. I wonder if she would have felt more like the side of her that does want this domesticated life. Is it totally fake and based on other people's expectations or is it anxiety provoking for her because of the scrutiny and the lack of support and the criticism that she Maybe, receives yeah. from those around her. So I just I... wonder if she had had a more supportive spouse and less of a dickhead doctor and a more supportive mother-in-law and her family wasn't passive aggressive as shit. Like, would that have been a more genuine one? Like, would she have been more comfortable in that role? She does. I think so. When she's younger too, she is down. She's not into being you know conformed like this and domesticated like that's their whole thing right the, uh, the young punk. i won't be domesticated yeah, yeah. so which is also like you know she's older she yeah, is, but everybody cool. grows up right we all yeah, grow right. up and sometimes well, it's it's thing. i, I think that she things, was so. an actual she was in love with octavia that's who what she yeah, wanted that's like the love of her life absolutely and, it, and, and i love the scene of octavia symbol. dropping her maybe off. you're right a symbol of her past and yeah. i think octavia represents like octavia lives the life that she wants she's mm -hmm. like living in this like cool city apartment with like her cool like the art that's behind Heidelberg, or it's similar to that like <laughs> yeah. the um you know very like crucifix-esque uterus <laughs> and i was like yeah fuck when i lived in chile abortion was still illegal and like i went to so many abortion rallies and it was fucking rad so like just i don't know the spirit of that and like being young and like fighting for something that you believe in and octavia is like living she's like i i might move to the mountain who knows i go box at this gym because i can do whatever i want yeah. so i think she might represent more than which which is why octavia calls it out she's like do you think you want to be with me or yeah, do you want to be with me yeah which is so fair. I'm not convinced. I mean, it might be the love of her life, I but I'm not convinced does, that it is. The way I the movie ends. That you think she goes and moves to with Octavia? Well, either that or just goes and kind of goes after what she wants in life because right. it, it's well, part of it seems like she's pro possibly protecting her baby also by leaving yeah. the situation and by leaving yeah. the baby with Raul, who will take care of it. Yeah. But also, part of me was conflicted because I'm like getting the sense that like well, we see her ban stuff and like. She's going out there to live the life that she wants because she's realized. And part of me always thought sort of that the entity maybe isn't a real thing. It's it's just a metaphor for these things that are haunting her. 
these, you know, the reality of like, I'm becoming a mother, I'm abandoning everything that I'm into my passions, I'm losing myself, like you said, Jacqueline, like, she's giving of herself and getting nothing back. There's no support anywhere. And she's regretting this decision she's making. And yes, she's bringing a beautiful life into but it's almost like, if I look at it, if I start taking care of it, I have to acknowledge it. And then I'm going to be its mother. Right now, she's at a moment, a crossroads where she like, doesn't know that she wants to do that. I, I read, do th- what's that? I, I, I was say I read the end as like her leaving ambiguous as to whether she was going to be with Octavia or, or someone else. And I read like the spirit, La Wesera, I read that as like her shadow self. And like she has this vision yeah. battle with like this representation of that side of her, like fractured identity at this point. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I That's read it. That's why no too. one sees it. Um, right. The scene where she goes to see, um, what was that? Um, Ursula, where she goes to see Ursula. And of course, of, I'm sorry, but immediately when they said her name, I was like, Poor they under the sea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when she goes to see Ursula for the second time for the like the ritual that the nobody wants the, to talk about, you know, and um, I want to be one of those ladies so bad. <laughs> we need to talk about that ritual, though. Caitlin, achieve your crazy. dreams, man. I want to be the one with like the the little like satchel of herbs. I was like, I could do that part. Yeah. I could totally do that. Do that. Yeah. But so I think it's Octavio who says to her, like, you know, what are you doing here? And she's like, and um, Valeria says, I have to protect my daughter. And Octavia says, from what? And she doesn't answer. But in my head, she definitely answered from me. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what I assumed was in her Well, heart. she fringed it. She fringed that... the baby. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like oh, God. God she fringed the, the baby. The I got solid, so nervous. The solid self that we see of her doesn't know that the baby's in the fridge. Yeah. It was yeah. like La Wesera who did it. Yeah. And yeah. so now it's you... like I so that leads me to believe that this is totally like that alt that split version of herself. It's like you use the word fractured, and I think that's exactly it. I think it's like her identity is torn. And mm-hmm. I think her, like a lot of the horror in this movie comes from the fear of her body being torn in a physical mm-hmm. way, which definitely happens. Oh my God. When they're like just a few stitches after yeah, she has the baby, I'm like, oh, her the needle. Like, yeah. real yeah. I was like, wow. I have the scariest story of all time about that, <laughs> but I'm not going to. You've seen on the baby monitor right too. When, when she goes to get the baby, we see mm-hmm. several hands. Yes. Yeah. It's not very scary. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I I think it, I totally agree with you, Caitlin, that La Wasera is the, the separate version of herself that that they're like at odds with each other yeah and um but she's seeing it as a separate entity and but it, it's like her anxiety and her fear and the mm-hmm. what's lost um and i so will I, say I like while we're talking about fridge scene so as someone who really likes monstrous motherhood i feel like a lot of horror movies in the past just like haven't pushed the envelope because it is such like a taboo thing Especially up until fairly recently when we get people talking about like, I maybe wasn't the best fit to have kids or maybe I regret having X number of kids. Like people are more open about those conversations now, but for the longest time, the narrative around motherhood, even in horror, which is generally kind of subversive, is very sweet and saccharine and tender. And it always comes back to like a mother's natural instinct to protect her baby, which we do like in the end, I, I agree with Heidelberg. I think she was doing the baby a solid by <laughs> stepping away. Not, not an, an overall happy ending, but still. And I, it wasn't until the last few years that I feel like monstrous motherhood movies like push the envelope a little bit. I don't know if y'all saw, it was the A24 movie with Ilana Glazer and, um, 
uh, fuck James Bond. Uh, yeah, I uh no the chris other brosnan? one chris brosnan yes um false positive oh, no, i haven't seen that no so it goes right up to the line and there's a scene where you think a character is going to drop babies from a window which is the the sort of like fake out that we get here and it ends up being this like vision surrealist thing where the babies like float up into the air and it's like and like it's not like i want to see something as grotesque as like a baby falling from a window that's horrific shout out antichrist <laughs> but like right you know it's like it's not like i want to see that but i do want like it's just frustrating to me that all of these stories come back to like well of course a mother wouldn't do that and i appreciate that when santa gets to the point where it's like she's like i probably did that she like goes to yeah. the window and she's yeah. like fuck like looking at the patio below and the baby's in the fridge which is so horrific like a terrible place for that Absolutely. baby to be <clears throat> it but, plays out like we think she saw the baby out there yeah for- she's like yes yeah but I, I really do appreciate that it it takes it up to that line and the stakes are real. Like the baby is in danger. And I, you know, it's a fucked up thing to say, I guess, but I just appreciate that this movie takes the chance and takes the risk and doesn't rely yeah. on sort of the tropey, like, but she is a mom at heart. Like, oh, you know, you know, she stuck it in a safe place, like the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, at least yeah, it survived. I, that explains why you I don't hear the baby went, when the baby was yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, I, I did not think that baby was going to be okay. No, I, I, was that, very same. Emotional I, I was, I was not happy. I was like, I, I had to pause it like right there yeah. when she realized that the baby was gone. And that's but the that's first like... time we get a good look at the baby too. Like I was absolutely like, yeah. so That was a cute ass baby. How beautiful the, that baby was. And it was just like, and she already had her ears pierced. I know. I was like, wow, this is very That's a very Mexican baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like that, like this, there are stakes and I appreciate yeah. that about a movie. And I was scared. Like it, I want to be scared watching a horror movie. And that scared me. I was like, no. Yeah. The, the tension in that scene was better than any scene with any contorted bodies yeah. and, and cracking of yes, bones. Yes, it totally Although, was. Like, the little like broken legged West Santa like slithering uh, into the apartment. No, I mean, there were some great scenes yeah. of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the dream out. she had where she saw one in the, in the, hall, in the other room and then the other one grabs her foot and breaks Ooh. her foot, which is a callback to well till later later when she has her like uh, confrontation with the Wasetta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there could and have the been one a lot the more people. jump scares in this, and yeah. there were a couple that were really effective, but there could have been more. The people yeah, didn't need it. I, I feel like we didn't need it. No, nah. honestly, um, I, I found it disturbing enough. Yeah, yeah, but Caitlin, I do. I just want to go back to what you said for a minute. Like, I completely agree with what you said about appreciating the fact that this movie was willing to like put the put its toe into that territory because i know it's a, you know slowly starting to happen but i still feel like that is a major taboo yeah. and this is actually partly a conversation i wanted to have when we covered the ring a couple weeks ago and we didn't get around to it we kind of got off on other stuff but like that's a rare movie i think that shows a mother actually killing her child yeah. and it, it it totally breaks that taboo um and it goes back to that image of like the mother as the ultimate martyr. And so the, the artwork that you mentioned before, Caitlin, that we see in the um, in Valeria's closet, but proudly displayed on Octavia's yeah. wall is that if you haven't seen the movie, it's this beautiful artwork of um, a woman cruci- in a crucifixion position, but it's against the background of a, a uterus and fallopian tubes mm-hmm. and ovaries. That's like the cross figure behind her. And, and I, I was like, I want this. Such... Me too. I, I want to find it. Um, <laughs> I, I have that guy's Instagram somewhere. Oh, okay. um, I'll send it to you. But um, 
What was I going to say? Um, yeah, it, I think it's like this perfect and beautiful illustration of mother as martyr. And that's like, I think, really the crux huh, of the whole thing. <laughs> and, and it's so like beautiful and sad. And I think really zeroes in on the like the central internal conflict here in Valeria. It's like the perfect encapsulation of the whole movie to me. Especially because, I mean, you know, it, it hits a little bit different, especially in a, like a very Catholic culture and like a very catholic country you know exactly. so like for me like you know i didn't grow up religious so like some of that doesn't hit or resonate as much with me but i like in looking at it from her perspective and they made this pilgrimage up to see Virgen, and like they did all these things i'm like oh right like this is very significant and like mm-hmm. probably more impactful in this like cultural setting yeah when i read that from i think it was the so first of all the writer and director cinematographer editor and i want to say executive producer were all women on this movie Mm -hmm. and i think it was the dp who i read an interview with that said that a lot of men were really upset by the ending of this movie because it's such a violation of a lot of cultural norms but like like you said like specifically in latin america and like heavily catholic um cultures that it's like this is like the ultimate role for a woman. And so for a woman to reject that role in such a shocking way as she did in this, by the end of this movie, it's like a lot of men were really angry, but they, I can uh, speak on that. I I was conflicted by the ending. Talk about that. I was like, like you just said, it's just, I think it's become, it's like a, a norm in our mind to, um, you know, especially I was raised by a mom, you know what I mean? And I've seen the sacrifices she had to, to make to raise her kids and to see her walk away from that. It, it was disturbing in a sense. I, and I understand it, though. I understand her side of it and why she's walking away. And I thought there was a double edge to it of she's doing it to save her baby. Uh, possibly like we we assume that the seance or whatever it is that they did might have worked. Right. But there's the chance that it didn't. And so she's still going to leave the baby with whoever it's best with which is Raul and yeah. also I think she's gonna she's gonna go and live the life that she wanted to live originally you know what I mean like I feel like she she didn't that lifestyle she was living just wasn't for her and you know part of the entity haunting her was part of that it was like you know her, her like, damn girl I wish you had thought of that beforehand like because that yeah. now that sucks at this like baby only yeah has one parent, it just that, makes yeah. me wonder like I hope she I hope she would have some type of role in this baby's life still at some point uh, well, who's, but, the, who's the figure in the blanket that burns who is her, that? her. her that's what I thought okay it's like so her, she's letting the, go of it she's very calm hmm. about it when she leaves but maybe she's letting go of the mother aspect of yeah because it's like the mother Mary yeah that's why she left burning so this and then is the she's thing. broken at the same time, right? She's been broken at that moment, and it's her broken self, like letting go. So it, yeah. I agree with Heidelberg, though. Like I read it as the compassionate choice. It sucks and it's not yeah. ideal, but I read it as the compassionate choice of I am walking away from this because I am not the right person to be taking this on. And it's right. like you wish that she had maybe considered that beforehand, but there were all the societal pressures that we already talked about. I really liked the ending, and Jack, yeah, what too. you were saying about. Same. Um, like some of the like, men's reactions to it. I wonder if she had died in the ritual or if she had killed herself, speaking of martyrdom, if that would have been better received than her just walking. Oh, absolutely. Probably because, been, then yeah. She, yeah. because then it wouldn't have been a choice, a yeah. choice for right. her to walk away. And so I, 
I, I read the end personally as being rife with contradictions. I think that what she did was both selfless and selfish. Yeah. And I, and that's uncomfortable, but I think that's real. Um, yeah, and it's good for the st- it's good for the story, the narrative. It's it, and yeah, it makes sense. For the yeah, and I and I agree. I agree with you, Caitlin. That I wish that she had made that that she had been able to realize that about herself both before. But again, it brings me back to that question of like, well, if she had had better support and not had these negative projections put on her that mothers are constantly put through, if maybe she would have not been so ambivalent about her choice. I mean, I think. I think, you know, a lot of us are ambivalent about motherhood. I think that's really normal, but maybe it would have been more manageable for her. Maybe she would have found more fulfillment in it. Maybe the Wasera would not have even existed if that had been the case. And so it's like, I feel like, well, on the other hand, it's possible that she's just not cut out for motherhood. That's possible. There are some women that that just aren't, that they just don't want to do it. It's not for them. And that's, I think that's great, especially if you can realize that before you do it, um, then I well, think look, that's, I think that's, that's a very selfless well, and So I think that's a very selfless choice to make. And it, it baffles me when sometimes people say like, oh, like you don't want to have kids. That's so selfish. You just want to have your selfish life. I think it's so selfless to recognize that that's not for you and then not want to bring a child into that, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, like, go ahead. Well, like, I, I feel like I'm at this point in my life where a lot of my friends have had their kids and you know, they're like, God, you just like, you never know what it's going to be like until you have them, which is true. And they yeah. mean that both in the way that of how much they love them and how hard it is and how mm-hmm. broken they feel by parenthood. And part of me, like, I'm like, I don't know, buddy, what did you think it was going to be like? Like I, the reason I don't want to have kids for myself is because I have thought a lot about it. And, you know, I, I just don't foresee that being a good choice for me, but it's just interesting because it's like, ah, uh, like, I don't know. There's the cultural expectation for her here to meet all these sort of standards and check baby off the list. But there's also like a part of her, I'm like, you seem like you were equipped with all the right influences and resources to talk about like whether motherhood was going to be the choice yeah. for you. So it, it's just so interesting. I'm like, damn, like, did you, I what did you think it was going to be like? I don't know. I'm sorry. Can you, can you, ex- can you elaborate on that last point a little bit about her having all the like resources and I mean, when she was younger. When she like had all these friends who were, I would imagine, very um, counterculture, like Octavia is living as a lesbian in, you know, her own right. And she has this artwork that suggests that they were like in a very pro-choice sort of, I will not be domesticated type of thing. So she had those resources at one time. She does not have it as in her current state at all, but she had that, those, she had exposure to that sort of option okay. i guess when she was younger um, but you. no i yeah. agree that she does not have that kind of um general cultural sort of like option now in her you know more advanced adulthood so you mean she yeah. had like models or examples of what different choices could look like, like yeah like what she's like oh what like different life could be that one dude's like oh i'm gay and like she's mm-hmm. like obviously in a queer yeah. relationship and there's like all this very pro-choice art around and octavia's yeah. living alone her aunt is a quote-unquote spinster but you know yeah. she's doing her her gay shit on the side it's like <laughs> you know there are other ways to operate and it sounds like she took a more traditional path yeah. um for what for better or worse but 
at least I, I like that at least we had this sense that she was exposed at one point in her life, not right now, but to other people who lived kind of alternatively. Got it. She also didn't have, I feel like, the best relationships to want to qu- ask someone about like what motherhood is like and the questions yeah. a woman, a young woman might ask because, well, like you said, her aunt doesn't have kids, uh, but she's very, you know, um, supportive of her. Her her mother, her relationship with her mother seems a little like it, it seems OK, but she doesn't spend a lot of time at home and her relationship with her sister who does have children. There's that animosity there. So I don't feel like she would have ever went, hey, sis, what is it like being a mom? I'm thinking I, I think I want to have a child like there was nobody to talk to her about this, really. Her mother in law mm-hmm. would have just said, yeah, have a baby because I wanted grandkids. You know what I mean? So. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's actually her mother in law who from the get go is like, oh, I can see what she's going to be like. She picks out that (laughs) ugly mobile or would you say mobile or mobile? I don't know. But she picks out that ugly thing that hangs over the crib, even though she's like, no, I'm going to make one. She's like, no, I'm going to get it. So right off the bat, I'm like, oh, she's going to be intrusive. But she actually comes the closest to the truth yeah, she does. Later, later on, on after the baby comes when she's mm-hmm. she's sitting on the couch she's babysitting her because we're all thinking she needs right. a babysitter yeah. but she's with her and she's like motherhood splits you into two yeah. right and you yeah. don't like you have two selves and you don't know like what your identity is anymore but then she kind of like you know sweeps it under the rug because she goes but you don't go around talking about it to everybody yeah and she's yeah. like you gotta do what you gotta do and it's like well yeah. I guess, but I, I, I mean, was once surprised. Once you had though. the baby, you kind of do. Yeah, that, that was where I was <laughs> conflicted in the yeah. end. Where it's like, well, you had the baby, and now you're walking away from it. But also, possibly to save its life in the long run because of, yeah, who knows what you're capable of at some point. It seems like she's better, but yeah, right. It's a, but, it does, but can she trust herself? You know. And yeah. I do think the conflicting ending. Like, I'm not mad at it. Like, I think it's it made me feel something and that's powerful for a movie to do. So I think that definitely weighs in on my my review of this film. But I, it was definitely something that was just like, wow, like, I don't know how I feel about this right now because I didn't want to come down on her. And at the same time, I was conflicted. of like, which that's your child in there, though. You're just leaving it like, what, what yeah. you, you know what I mean? But at the same I, time, I understood because the way they the way they shoot that scene of her, you could see there's regret like she she she's. She's not sure this is the right choice, but this is the choice she thinks she needs to make. She's pained. And then when she shuts the door, finally, it's she like seems a little. Yeah. Like some relief washes over yeah. her. And, and it yeah. reads as like, to me, that was the compassionate choice, even though uh-huh. it fucking sucked both for her and for Raul. And then also for the baby, you know, it's yeah. it's not ideal. But I, I I was at first I was like, I don't know what's how to feel. But ultimately, I was pretty satisfied by the ending. Yeah, I got to rewatch this. I mean, this is like I yeah, went in totally blind to this and it's just learning that 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 figure that was burned up in the blanket was her. I mean, to me that was the mother's side, that the one that mm-hmm. you know is is the mom yeah. and the one that survived is the one that going for what she wants, not what she needs to get, you know. It's like like the family pressuring her into all this other kind of stuff. And it's probably what all mom? those entities were. They were like all the pressures in life, you know. Right, exactly right. But her. She, she, yeah, I, I don't think that when she got split into two and that that other one, that's the mom. You know, that's the 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 protector, mm-hmm. the the martyr. This is yeah. you know the, the real her was the one that was laying on the on the leaves or whatever was burning up. Um, and was it the mom, the one that said to the to to her sister is like, oh, aren't you going to congratulate her? And the sister had yes. this long pause, which was fantastic. She was just like, uh, yeah, congrats. 
Yeah. <laughs> so painful. So John, oh, I, I, you're absolutely right. So that image of her, like the, the, the version of her that burns during this like ritual thing, she's wearing this like lace kind of veil. It's the baby blanket that she, it's the baby blanket that she, it's the baby blanket, but it morphs now turned yeah, into, it's, it's 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 now. into yeah. this like lace veil, which echoes the appearance of La Virgen. Yeah, like the, I love the imagery. The Virgin Mary of, of Guadalupe. And Same. so it's like it, that is her martyr mother self uh -huh. that is mm -hmm. burning. Um, I feel like we should talk more about this ritual. Like, and the sonogram the... real quick, too, because I love the sonogram scene. When she can't see the baby. And then when we do see the baby, we see uh, like a distorted face with like a weird maw sort of jaw. And like it looks like a creature comes out of it. Was it the spider or... Was it, it looked oh, like I, a slug or something weird, like a snake? Um, so but, I'm going to tell you guys something. <laughs> did I misread something? No, I think it's great. So I'm going to tell you something. Um, uh, I think there was supposed to be some kind of like CGI supernatural thing because it looked like the baby turned its head and then like yeah. moved towards or something. But I will say, ultrasounds can be the scariest fucking things in the world. One tech told me you're not supposed to take a like a front a face like front view of the baby until they reach a certain like gestational mm -hmm. age because if they're like face bones haven't they look like Voldemort, yet, they yeah. look like monsters and I oh, demon things yeah. I had an ultrasound tech take a picture of my second baby before he should have been photographed and I swear to fucking Ooh. God he looks like Bagul from Sinister <laughs> oh my God I immediately sent the picture to my friend Megan nice and I was suit. like it's ba Bagul is inside. <laughs> She was like, oh my God. She showed it to everybody at work. I'll send it to you guys after we finish recording. Well, and that's and like, I thought that this really whole, well like parasitic, uh, you know, when we think about exorcisms or possessions, it's like parasitic nature to that relationship. And the like very obvious parasitic type of feeling of like, oh, there's a little like alien parasite in me. And it's like, it's just so interesting. But that scene yeah, this, was like, so symbiotic good. symbiotic relationship with it. Yeah. It's not, it's not really symbiotic. It really, it really Even the is birth. kind of a parasite. So, so here's something that happens a lot when you're pregnant. If you don't keep up like a lot of nutrients and there's like all these vitamins and you're supposed to eat a certain way and blah, blah, blah. And what doctors will keep telling you is like, if you don't get enough calcium or you don't get enough protein, or you don't, don't get enough fiber, you don't get enough um, a B12 or folate or whatever. The baby will get what the baby needs from because you. it's going to take yeah. it from you yeah. and you're going to suffer yeah. like your body she's is not going eating to properly weekend. for a long time yeah, yeah she's so, losing weight yeah oh, so that's a, that's so a real weird. thing yep it, it the body really horror is. of pregnancy is so fucking weird to me i love it i love body horror and i the just the general body horror of giving birth and being pregnant it's such an interesting thing but i love that scene because Raul and the doctor are like, oh, look at the little like blah, blah, blah. They can both see it. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't help me. I can't see it. I love that. She's just totally lost. And it's and like a little moment that like, makes you, that, that makes her feel like a failure as a mother. Like, yeah. 100%. Mother How come I don't see it first? Baby, you know, yeah, like, oh, right. I'm fucked up exactly. already. Like, yeah, yeah. Ugh, it's a little it's so it's rough. A little heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. So what do you guys make of that final ritual where she like is wandering into the woods and the awesome. blanket is the baby? It's like, what? I, is didn't, that what the, I didn't quite know how to understand the that. figure like, that was happening? walking around. Is that what you're saying? That was supposed to be the baby? No. Well, no, the, they told her before she kind of went into it, she was like, Ursula said, 
the baby or the the blanket represents your baby. Oh, okay. and she's yeah. like, well, "This is there. your baby." Yeah, yeah. and so she the baby hears was the baby there crying. during the whole thing too. You know, the aunt had the baby with her, so right. But so when Valeria is out in like the woods and she can hear the baby crying, and so she's searching, searching. It feels like a nightmare, you know, where like yeah. you're trying to get away from something or you're trying to find something and like you can't find. She hears the baby crying. And then she finally finds the blanket and she grabs onto it and she looks so relieved because the blanket represents the baby. It's like if she can find mm-hmm. the blanket, she's saving the baby. Yeah. Um, but so like, what does that, what is happening? Is this like an exorcism or what is this ritual? Like, I didn't know how to read this. Yeah. This scene well, of her keep wandering through like the she's, woods. And... She's fractured or she's cracked. That, that, yeah. that There are two sides to her that it's either... And this is either going to bring her to the motherhood side or, or yeah. the, you know, the free, the, the being with Octavia, you know, that that's how I read it. it maybe I'm way off. And again, I, I want to watch this. Yeah, I think you I, might I be wanna, like too. get more out of this. And by the way, the, the color saturation on that scene was awesome. Yeah. It felt like the ring. It felt just kind of grainy. Like, like you were talking about. Awesome. And I love Misty. the, yeah. I love the, uh, the contorted bodies and like the, Oof. I don't know, the performances of them and the, like the suits that they're wearing where like their orifices were like covered up and they don't mm-hmm. quite look human, but they, yeah. they are human. Like those were it's dancers. So by the you way. couldn't tell gender. Oh, yeah. Like they look like female a little bit, but they, well, they look it like, like her, like, but it's like, you can't yeah. tell cause they're all covered up. I loved the like big tangle of just bodies and like yeah. the, you could hear them all cracking oh, and contorting, yeah. and then they kind of split and surround her. It's so scary, and, and it's I so lift good. Her up and like break her, yeah. Like oh, a and they neck. show it, yeah. They do they, show it, yeah. They show her like all fucked up, and then I was like, ah. But then she's broken on the ground, but she seems at ease when she's broken. When she mm-hmm. says, when she lets go of the blanket, and mm-hmm. her other side, the mother side, walks away. She lets it walk away, you know what I mean? And there's like a moment where even though she's broken, her bones are fucking so like contorted and twisted. But the look on her face is like, she's okay with this. She smiles. And she gets the look back from her other self and then it burns and it like falls down. And I don't know. I, I, there's a lot about that scene. I feel like we could unpack. I'd have to watch it again. I mean, like, so, did they give her peyote? Did she do DMT? Yeah. Up, up until this moment, I didn't even really think about like what the bodies might have meant. But I, now I'm thinking more. It's probably all the things that were, you know, she was fighting with all the, you know, like her family, social norms, mm-hmm. and everything, like her other relationships and her doubts on motherhood, and just all this stuff just coming at her at once. Mm-hmm. And then it breaks down to this dichotomy of like we were talking about like this representation of the mother martyr, La Virgen, and then mm-hmm. her like actual self broken lying on the floor. And I think, you know, I've been doing feminist activist work and a lot of feminist writing for a really long time. And I feel like at a different time in my life, I would have been like, oh, it's like reductive to reduce it to just this dichotomy. But uh, the older I get and the more nuance I learn around particularly motherhood, it's not like that. That is a very, very fair representation for someone to feel that it is this one part of me motherhood bucking up against all the other parts of me and i think that's i just think that it's really interesting because i feel like at another time i would have been like oh dichotomy boring but now it's like no i mean that that is is like what she is battling with right now and it's all that really she can contend with and Mm -hmm. i appreciate that well and to kind of further that a little bit i think you know the ending is very uncomfortable I think we can all agree. And um, 
you know, sad in some ways, but probably necessary in some ways. And I think it's like the ending that is most, I, I feel like it was the truth, you know, for that yeah. moment and that story. It fits the themes of the film. Perfectly. Yeah, it does. But I th I think if we were like, if I, if we were going to be given like a traditionally happy ending to this movie, what I would have liked to see happen if that was what we were going for would be some kind of like reintegration of those separate parts of herself, like mm -hmm. a way for her to be a complete person where mm -hmm. motherhood is a part of her life, mm -hmm. but she also has, you know, 360 degrees all the way around um, that'll, that allow her to keep her old self. Maybe we I see her get like like rebuilding a... her workshop again or something like, yeah, or even during the uh, ritual, like a layering of like, yeah. yes, that they like on top of her. Yeah, like, like she still has to carry around this dark just, self of, all the time. Yeah, but like to see them somehow like physically integrate with each other, like supernaturally. But then when she comes out of it, then like she's able to like, um, like th those parts of her life are able to coexist. Like yeah. they're not at odds with each other anymore. They can both exist at the same time. And that's what's not happening here. They can't exist separately from each other like this. Yeah, in her instance. And that's the thing, like I think, right. you know, with a different character, I would have loved to have seen that reintegration and that sort of like whole personhood for her, including motherhood. But mm -hmm. I, I also appreciate that this ending because Valeria is not that person, and that's not right. her character. So that's that, why like, I said this is the yeah. ending that's true. It's, like, it's the ending that's true. That's the truth. And it's <laughs> uncomfortable. It is ballsy. And I like it a lot, even though it's not the one that we want for her. Like, yeah. I don't want that for her. See, I want that's the not ending our we story, just right? About. It's her story. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's what I love about it. it. It's so true to life. You know, all of our lives are ambiguous. You know, what's going to happen tomorrow? They always mm -hmm. say, well, you can get run over by a car. Okay. Not likely, <laughs> but it could happen. But I love there's not a lot of movies where I, where the ending's ambiguous and I go, Oh, I'm satisfied by that. I was completely satisfied by this one. I mean, it was just like, well, that's a bummer, but you know, bittersweet, I suppose, you know, it's just like, damn, but yeah, yeah I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of movies don't nail the ending and they're still good movies. Right. Right. But sometimes the ending is very tough to nail, and I just think this does it really well. And yeah, they, yeah, you're they left knocked like, that one out of the park. For yeah, me. you're left, I mean, it wasn't you're left happy with the ending of the narrative, but at the same time, you're conflicted for the character, and you're just right. sort of like, yeah, well, it's you like care that. about her, and you care about the baby at this point, and and you know what I mean. Like you're like, oh man, that's that's just such a tough choice to even make. But I like that it makes me sit with my discomfort. It's yeah. like, you yeah, know, no, why good. am I like why am I? Like why well, why does this make and me? And tomorrow really after this podcast, you're still gonna think about this movie. And yeah. that's a lot of movies don't do that. They wash over you, you're done with it, and then ten years later maybe you rewatch it. But so I'm glad I bought it. Yeah, <laughs> the ending too. We we get the ending that looks like it's happy for a moment. They're out on the balcony right. and there's a moment where it looks like, oh, she's come to grips with everything. And but then we see the look on her face and there's a sadness and we realize Yep. something and else Raul turns like he yeah. has his back to her with the baby and like she's yeah. behind them he, like, he didn't oh, even fuck. acknowledge her while she's petting or, or while she's patting her daughter's head you know and it's just that there's no you know any kind of communication which made it even more powerful for me but yeah. i mean it would this was a home run i mean as far as like the way it absolutely ended with the ambiguous right. uh, ambiguity there so maybe i was being dense but during that scene when you first, when he kind of turns and you first see that they're both like kind of weeping, mm -hmm. I thought I didn't I didn't see 
the ending coming. I thought they were going to give her up for adoption. I thought they were going to give the baby oh, really? adoption. Oh. Like, oh no. And that's why they're crying. Yeah. I thought they were both crying because they were about to both give up the baby. And um, I don't know which is worse, but like, I felt really sad in that moment. And then I was like, oh no, it's just her that's leaving. Oh, well, I still feel sad. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I'm There's sad, so much to I mean, chew on with this movie though. There's so much. Who knows what could happen after this? I mean, maybe she comes back into her baby's life or it's in some capacity, yeah. but maybe just not yeah. there all the time. But, we or don't maybe know. Raul finds love or like, I mean, we yeah. know the mother-in-law wants to be involved. So like yeah. he's got her and that's not the same, but like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, I don't I, begrudge the man for loving his daughter. I mean, that's the proper oh, thing. No. At the same time, yeah. there were, there were moments in the movie where you could have been uh, a little bit more compassionate towards your wife too. So, yeah, but you know, that, what I speak on the house, you know, society kind of conditions us sometimes. Yeah. What I don't want to see is a scene of Valeria's family after finding out what she did. Like, I don't need that. Oh, that's going to be brutal. So I don't thanks. feel like that's where she's going anyway. Nope. No. But I you bet there's going to be some conversations about it. A lot of gossip, <laughs> sure. if nothing else. And it's I not was, a happy ending for her. I was like... so pissed that um, when, Ra- when Raul was like, oh, I spoke to your mother. And he heard about the babysitting incident. Yeah. With the, I'd have been like, like, he called oh, my fucking mom, God. bro. Yeah. <laughs> or she like called him. Called Who him. knows? Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's horrible. so rough. Like, it's just so, like you said, infantilizing. And it's she's like, trying so hard in that moment. Like, she's in distress. And she's like, she looks hot. She's in that, like, backless green dress. Yeah, and her cooking dinner kitchen. for, like, those guests. Cooking. Yeah, I was like, she's trying. She's, she's like, like a two-week-old really baby. And she's cooking for a dinner party. God damn. Well, it's just, I just like, oh God, it's, it's so hard to watch. And he's like, I mean, and, and to be fair, he's concerned about his kid is, you know, the safety of their baby. And that's also fair, yeah. but it's just, yeah. she, she did set the crib on fire. On fire. She yeah. did. Yeah. She I did think it was the drapes that went on fire. Cause that's where she was smoking. And she put the cigarette out like on the windowsill. She had yeah. a habit of doing that. So on I thought it was going to be the drapes. Crib. And then when he opens the door, it's a crib, which was, you know, hard some metaphor. <laughs> I love that crib. And I also had spider web, I guess, vibes with the like yeah. cord stuff. The mobile had a spider on it. In the center. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. I wish I could do carpentry. It was cool. She was so fucking like, handy. Yeah, she really was. I loved it. I wish I, I like had a that slacker. I know, yeah. right? I'm like, damn. Hopefully now she has like a, you know, an Instagram and like an Etsy page <laughs> where she's selling her furniture and stuff. Let's write Handmade the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Valeria's Life of Freedom. Valeria 2. <laughs> La Libertad de Valeria. La Libertad. <laughs> Oh, Sarah, too. Oh, Sarah, too. Electric boogaloo. Oh, Sarah, dose. Let's go. <laughs> How do you say electric boogaloo in Spanish? I, that I don't know. <laughs> boogaloo electrico. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, are you guys ready to give our individual reviews of this thing? Sure. Yeah, wrap it up. All right. So you should probably kick us out there, huh, boss? I'll go first. Um, I honestly don't really know what to say about this movie that I that I haven't already said. Um, I apologize if I like was overly uh, domineering or dominating the converse- conversation conversation because I had so much to say. And I was like, I gotta say all this shit. Um, um, I I feel like I said everything basically that I wanted to say. I think, um, the actress who plays Valeria was incredible. Um, like I really bought in with her character and I really felt her character. I mean, I think some of that was me like relating it to my own personal experiences with motherhood, but nonetheless, I feel like she was extremely sympathetic. The, the one scene where, um, she sees, uh, La Vasera, like in the hallway kind of 
<laughs> crawling along the hallway outside her bedroom and like a split second later a hand reaches up oh and cracks God. her foot and then she wakes up with this <gasps> like gasp yeah. of pain but it's also like the gasp of a nightmare that you're suddenly waking up out of and Raul comes rushing in. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, it hurts. It hurts so much. My foot is broken. My, it's broken. It's broken. It's broken. He's like, it seems fine. She, Her acting in that moment was so perfect because I could feel the pain and terror that she was in. Um, Like I, I could really feel it. And like she was so sincere and he did not believe her. And it was just infuriating. But I, I her performance was just so good. Um, So sympathetic. So complex. This was a complex character, and I feel like she really nailed it. Like, she wasn't only longing for her past self. She was longing for her past self, but she also, this actress showed us how the character is also, she's longing for this life that she's about to get. But then she's also longing too long for this life. Like, she also realizes that it's not what she thought it was going to be even before the baby arrives, and she, like, she wants to want it more. And that's that's a tough I think that's a tough thing to convey, like all of those things at the same time, wanting your past life, wanting the life you're about to have and wanting to want the life you're about to have, which you kind of don't. So um, and and also like Caitlin highlighted this this continuing to try like she's still trying. She's always trying to like do the right thing and be like live up to these expectations. And the people around her are just like always let down by by whatever she does it's never enough it's never enough and that's that's painful is that not the essence of womanhood though right never enough it's never enough and that that's like really like a nugget here and that's that's so painful to feel like you are sacrificing yourself you are working so hard to be this thing that you're supposed to be you're trying your hardest terrible shit is happening to you that you can't control and whatever you do, it's not enough. It's so fucking sad. Like, it's really sad. Um, and But that's why I say that her performance was really a standout here. I feel like she conveyed all of that. And not every actor could do that. I think the rest of the cast was also amazing. Like, Raul, I think, was complex. You know, he loves her. He loves the baby. He wants to protect the baby. He wants to protect her. But at the same time, she's doing some, like, kind of banana stuff. And that's, you know, we cannot like him in certain moments, but I, I also think he's real. He's like, not you know, Guy Woodhouse. He's not. He's you know. not Guy Woodhouse. Um, because <laughs> yeah, that role could have been played a lot heavier and it would have he would yeah. have been so unlikable. Could have been a more blatant asshole. And uh-huh. like the because, you know, I was making some parallels with Rosemary's Baby earlier mm-hmm. and also while I was watching this. But the good thing you can say about Raul is like he's not Guy Woodhouse because the difference is Guy Woodhouse is in on it from the very beginning he is sabotaging her on purpose and that's not what's going on here with Raul like he is living in this world of reality and he simply cannot see the things that she is seeing if he could I feel like he'd be 100% on her side but he can't and so I think he's reacting in the way that any like level-headed sane person living in reality would. So I can't fault him too much. Like, you know, is he always super nice to her? No, but I can also understand him being like running out of patience when the crib is on fire. So like that's <laughs> Babe, the crib is on fire. We have to have a talk. Yeah. So um, I'm like the actors who play her family, like they're so subtly passive aggressive and sometimes not so subtle and sometimes not so aggressive. And I mean, not so passive and more aggressive aggressive. Um, it's it's all great. Like 
the, I just, it really bought in. I feel like the film itself looks really good. It looks really beautiful to me. It's like, like it's composed well. The ritual is really entrancing. Like both the part where the, like the brujas are like starting the ritual with shaking the stuff and chanting, but then also where she like enters into this other realm, this kind of like otherworldly realm. It's, it looks so, it looks like a dark fairy tale to me, yeah. uh, which is really lovely. And I, you know, I love things that are dark and lovely. Um, it's just, I think all around, it just, it really nails some themes that I like to think about and that I really had fun talking about with you guys and hearing what you had to say about it. So I'm not going to go on and on about it. Um, the ending is uncomfortable. Um, and at first I really, I didn't like it, but I had to interrogate that a little bit and say like, well, if I'm uncomfortable with it, does that mean it's a bad ending or does it mean that it's not the right ending? And the answer is no. Like it, it, it can be uncomfortable for me and also be the right ending, which it is because I think it's the most truthful ending for this character as we've already, I think all, all agreed pretty much. So I think that's a home run um, with the ending and it's, it's sad. I don't like to feel sad after a horror movie, but it's, it is what it is. And I think it, it's, it's how it should be. So I'm going to, this may be obvious, but I feel like it's just right. I'm going to give this nine out of 9.5 out of 10 cracking bones. <laughs> cracking so, bones. Yeah, it's it's obvious, fair. but I feel like it just should be. So those are my thoughts. Um, Caitlin, would you like to go next? Sure, sure. And that was very well put and very much encapsulates what what I feel about this movie. I will say, I, I told Jacqueline beforehand, it was going to, you know, when a movie feels like it's very tailored to your interests, it's going to be hard to find a lot of criticisms of it. So I, I do recognize that going in that I am, you know, I have certain colored glasses on when I'm watching this because it's in Spanish. It's about monstrous motherhood. There's a lot of like feminist themes here. There's body horror. Like those are all things that are on my checklist of interests. Like it's it's stuff that I really like. And I think it was all very effective. So it's it would be hard for me to find fault in a movie that captures all those themes well. And I think this does. Um, I agree that all the performances were really strong. I really like the inclusion of the aunt character. I think that was really special. And I don't know, it just made me feel some ten tenderness about having had really cool aunts in my life. Um, body horror was great. All the relationships here were really interesting. I like movies that explore relationships, the relationship between her and Raul, between her and her sister, her and her parents, her and Octavia, her and her baby, her and herself. Like, I think it's really well done and nothing felt wasted. It's not like we explored anything that didn't have relevance. Um, and in that regard, it's very economical. It's just over an hour and a half. And I don't feel like any scenes are wasteful. I don't think that mm -hmm. any of them go on too long. I don't point? think, yeah, I mean, there's not too much dialogue, which speaks to how good of an actress our main character is here because there are scenes when she is just acting with her her big beautiful expressive eyes or with her blocking and that's that's really impressive you know they haven't they didn't waste a lot all the dialogue seems to mean something which i i appreciate um i liked all the symbolism and all the themes we talked about i think it's really strong overall and i i like that the ending left us in the place that it did so I uh, I was always primed to like this one, but I really did love it. And I'm glad that I bought it. So I will give it uh, nine cracking bones out of 10. All right. Nine out of 10 cracking bones. You cracker. <laughs> Just <kidding>. Literally. <laughs> I've, I've heard that one before. <laughs> um, Hyderberg, would you like to go next? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll go next. 
<clears throat> so yeah um i mean you guys touched on majority of all the things that make this film great uh and it is a great film there's some really really good acting uh in this one uh, i really enjoyed valeria's uh, character i feel bad that i didn't memorize the actress's name to be honest but I'm, she's on my radar because uh we you know she's striking she's she's a beautiful woman but it's natalia something what is oh, look it up while you're talking i'm just natalia more attracted Leon. to it now after hearing her name natalia. Uh, she's just <laughs> really good actress i mean she runs the gamut of um mostly happy semi-happy distraught um you know self-loathing you know she goes through all these different emotions she hates herself at one moment in the film when she takes the baby out of the fridge she's that's when she finally makes the decision that like, I need to do something about this because I can't be this person like this. She refuses to, to let this happen. And that's such a, uh, that scene just is going to stick with me for a long time. The, the worry that I had of where's the baby? Why don't I hear the baby? What did you do with the baby? And then she's looking around for it. And we just, I feel like I felt like this film was going there and I'm like, she put it out the window and it's out the window. And then thank God it wasn't, but it was just almost as bad. You know what I mean? It's still, it still got me in those, in that heart, in that feeling in my heart. Uh, the creepy factor in this film, I think is really good. I think there's some genuine and scary, mo scary moments. Um, I love the tone and the imagery. We picked apart a good amount of it tonight. And I think there's even more that we might've missed. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's really well done. I think the sound design, John, you touched on it. The first thing spectacular, just the cracking of the bones. And it's not that could have been overly done. We could have been like, all right, I'm tired of hearing the bones. But whenever they use it, it works perfectly for the scene. And we know what it means. And it's it's the woman. It's the entity. But then it's also Valeria. She's making the noise. So that's where we start seeing like, well, is she the thing that's haunting her? Is it herself? You know? We kind of start bridging the gap there and realizing what's really going on. There are other noises, like we said, with the seance too. Um, the the witches chanting and the breathing that they were doing and like the way that it was blending in, like really well done. It kind of set it like the transformation when she goes into the other place. Um, it was just like it worked perfectly for that scene. It could have been done. It could have came across as cheesy, but it didn't. It it The whole ending was just perfect. Uh, there's some really great filmmaking uh, at hand here, and I'm definitely going to check out her next film. I really love the characters, um, even the supporting characters. Like, they're not as supportive of Valeria as we would like, but there's a couple that do come in and help her out in different ways or are there for her. Um, you know, like the aunt. I thought the aunt was great. Even the mother-in-law had a moment or two, like you said, like, where she's not a total bitch, you know. we, You know, everybody's dealt with that kind of situation that character i feel like that's been in a marriage with a mother-in-law and then had kids with that that woman around uh and the themes at play here i think they're just really complex and they require a second viewing possibly a third or a fourth like there's there's so much more you can get out of this film and the performances and i think it has a lot to say and i really enjoy that um i am conflicted at the ending it's a little bit of a con but only because it's i've, I've only seen it once and you, like you said, like as a lot of men were conflicted, I, I can understand why I, I get it. Like I, I, I could, I, I could definitely, you know, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. I'm one man. I can't speak on, uh, on a woman's perspective. I'm not Justin from Trey Chillin, but um, <laughs> if I only think, you were here to, to yeah, if only he was know. here to give the, the female perspective, <laughs> 
But I did. I was conflicted at the ending. It's poetic and it's also depressing. And I just like I don't quite agree with Val's decision, but I understand it, too. And it's just like there's so many complexities to it. So I don't really want to make it a main negative, to be honest, because it's also one of the major things that makes me love this film. And uh, I don't know. With all that said, I'm going to give Husera. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Husera, the bone woman. I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10 uh, babies in the fridge. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Deviating from my babies in the fridge. <laughs> Man, I can't go there. Oh. Screw that. <laughs> wow. I have to you... eat around this place. Oh, wow. <laughs> what is that? We're now in Jonathan Swiftland. Um, Hyderberg, I'm supr- I'm like pleasantly surprised that you gave it such a high rating. I had it at a ta- nine, but I, I raised it up a little bit with the conversation. It's well, a really good talking- movie. I don't know what to say bad about it. Yeah. Well, the way you were talking about the ending, I thought you were going to kind of go lower, like maybe no, down I... to an eight or so. But um, let me be like clear. The only negative I had, but it's not a real negative. It's like the fucking it's not movie a knock against the movie in the gut it's... when I was done with yeah. it. And I felt weird about it. But yeah. Well, know, so, it makes yeah, you think. When I was coming up with my rating, I was asking myself, like, should I lower the rating because I don't like what happened in the end? And I, the decision I made on that, just in this case, was no. But I could see how. It I mean, would there be. are some movies that are not feel good films, and they make you feel yeah. shitty at the end, and you're just like, I can't rate it as high as I'd like to because yeah. of that feeling. Like, I'm never yeah. gonna watch this again. I right. could watch this again. Yeah, and I could recommend it under the caveat like there's some there's some you know mature themes going on that you might. It's you know. heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so masterfully done. I think so. Johnny. Yo yo. What's your review and rating? God, you guys said everything. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to retract part. my statement I said at the beginning of the podcast. Um, as far as the use of color, because I, I, maybe it, it was intentional be, of the blue and the pink, like when they were first in the doctor's office. So I think the mood was set perfectly. I mean, the way it was filmed and and it was it was just shot so well. The cinematography was great. Um, I love the different angles of of Val, like when she's just kind of staring off into Never Never Land. You don't know what she's thinking, but you you can feel what she's thinking, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did a spectacular job. Hydraberg, I'm with you, man. She is like like one of the most beautiful women I've seen in a long, long time. Just this natural, and she's so talented. And I want to give a big shout out to the actress that played Octavia, because the scene at the end where she says you need to stop apologizing the tears that she has. And and when she gets out of the car, she's still crying. And it was so powerful that that she's still in love with Val. So I don't know if, you know, the ambiguity at the end was, you know, that's where she was going. But that was like perfect because it is about real life. Your your next day, your next adventure, when you wake up, you know, 20, after 24 hours, what is it going to bring you? There's ambiguity. You can say, well, I plan to do this or I plan to do that. But you're always getting curveballs thrown in your way. Um, I don't know. There, There is so much good in this movie. Like you guys have said, and I'm going to keep it really short. Um, I can't knock this really for anything i want to watch it again i absolutely do it is a heavy movie i am so glad i i audibly 
breathed a sigh of relief when the baby was still alive yeah. because I, my my heart fell into my stomach and I just went, oh, come on, please no. And then I went. So I'm going to also give this a nine out of 10 uh, cracking bones. All it's right. a fantastic movie. All right. Cool. I'm always relieved when something I pick, everybody likes it. <laughs> I love this I mean, movie. I was frankly shocked when you guys did not like Poultry Geist, but here I feel like I've been <laughs> I feel like I've been vindicated here. So <laughs> I'll meet you, He Man. <laughs> oh, that was Lordy. for our buddies at Spoils of Horror, by the way. Yes, indeedy. I'm yes, back, indeedy fellas. <laughs> oh yeah. And not a minute too soon. That would have been a real shame if you'd missed next week. But we'll talk That's about that in a minute. Guys. Um, you guys want Any a trivia? little bit of trivia? Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, too bad because there is none. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> um, no, there there literally was no trivia on IMDb. There's so also I was yeah. I tried to look up just a little bit of like anybody else's opinions on this film, and mm. it's so new that there's hardly mm -hmm. anything out there on YouTube or anything other than just like straight up like seven minute reviews or something. There's none yeah. of those like ending of Wasada yeah. explained. Explain. Yeah. yeah, like. Yeah. Well, you know what? So Good. So they can quote what... us. They yes, can... listen we to the episode and yeah, quote us. <laughs> we will be the authoritative primary yeah. source we on go. this movie. Well, you guys. Don't I just realize though? Nobody died in this movie. Yeah. Oh. Yes. That's interesting. Right. Body there were no zero. actual deaths. Like yeah, that's that a good. That's, that's not making the dead meat right there. There. Yeah. That's a good series. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't have any like official trivia, but just based on like reading some stuff, I do have a couple of facts to share with you. Um, so this movie had its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival last year. So in some places it says the date is 2022. Um, it wasn't available to mass audiences until this year. So I say 2023. Um, so, but yeah, it played at Tribeca, which is Robert De Niro's like film festival in Tribeca. Talking to me? Um, yeah, I am. I am. You talking to me? And it actually won two major awards. It won Best New Narrative Director. So yeah. I'm pretty stoked about that. that. And also won um, the Nora Ephron mm -hmm. Award, um, which is a $25,000 prize awarded to like a strong um, voice in a female filmmaker. So I'm pretty like impressed by that. And it makes me happy that other people recognize how good it is too. And it's not just like, relegated to like oh best foreign film or something like that right. like mm -hmm. it was like i never got a... the idea that like when i was watching this i never got like all right i'm watching like a foreign film or like it was Good, just i'll be racist great... <laughs> no, no i just, <laughs> just some kidding. people don't like foreign films or subtitles but it yeah. never bothers me but sometimes i gotta be in the mood to read yeah. uh, subtitles if i'm not tired but this movie just like it just like any it, it was like like an a24 type film to me mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. the xyz yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. they make a lot of mm -hmm. good films. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Now has this uh, filmmaker made a bunch of other stuff that you guys are familiar with or this is her first feature film, I believe. Damn. Is it? Okay. Uh, but she's got other stuff in the works. Oh, by the way, Hyderberg, that actress's name is Natalia Solian. Mm. S-O-L-I-A-N. Natalia Solian. Imagine so this being your first awesome. feature. God damn. I mean it's so impressive. Yeah. I just I'm such a fucking slacker. What have I done? Damn. <laughs> Look, I can't even entertain that thought or I will spiral. So <laughs> you got yeah, two it's like other... any brand new like director that's coming out now. You know, you got Jordan Peele that knocks it out of the yeah. park, freaking Ari Aster, and it's just you got like two other things she's known for. One of them is a short, 
Hmm. The other one seems like a feature length film. Oh, maybe I'm wrong about that then. Sorry. It's in a horror anthology. So she might have just done one of the stories in it. Oh, so then it's just a short. Yeah. Um, Another thing, this is not trivia at all, but I just, I read this line um, and it really kind of stuck with me. Uh, The New York Times review of this movie has a line in it where the author says, it raises the provocative idea that motherhood can feel akin to a curse. And I thought that was just a nice way to put it that kind of zeroes in on something there that um, that I felt but didn't like wasn't able to put in those words. But I think that's a good way to say it. Well, and we see that sort of thread woven in a lot of horror, like hereditary. There's this sort of like mm-hmm. motherhood and like being born into this lineage of, the you know, infernal satanic bullshit we get it in paranormal activity if we're going a little bit lower brow which like i like paranormal activity so i'll stand behind Same it here. Same yes here. yes but it's it's just interesting because that thread has been woven through horror for a long time but i feel like we're in a moment in horror right now where it's kind of front and center and it's focusing on the motherhood aspect of it from the perspective mm-hmm. of the mother rather mm-hmm. than sort of the general context of like a family and i i, I really appreciate that I do too. Well, so I along think those lines, I think Babadook. Yeah, no, Babadook. I love Babadook. Yeah. a lot of the same. Oh, yeah, so I think there's the just a lot of there. themes that you can play at, um, with that. There's so many different layers to a relationship of a mother and a child, and motherhood and uh, family too. But just the you know the mother's mm-hmm. role in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice for that to be something that can be discussed nowadays, where you know wasn't always so welcome in the conversation i would have been lobotomized from the get so (laughs) (laughs) whoops all right well that's all we got for wesera that hosera is all done hosera is over (laughs) she burned up herself (laughs) so (laughs) uh next week we've got a little treat in store for you guys we do it's my pick it is Hyderberg's pick. Hyderberg, what is your pick for next week? All right, so we're actually going to keep with the themes of motherhood, and we're going to be covering Barbarian from 2022. Oh, oh yes. Well, don't, don't spoil. Whatever. Me. With special guests Stephen and Leo from Spoils of Horror. I didn't. I didn't spoil anything. But Spoils of Horror is coming on, so they're going to spoil it anyway. <laughs> they're going to. Spo- they're going to spoil it. <laughs> Let them fun. do it. All right. Those fucking yep. guys. I think I'm, I'm be excited there. to have them on for like a current newer film that has more to say than you know chicken. Busting out of people's nipples and <laughs> rock and roll satan. That's, that's also a comment on motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just missed the point. <laughs> Jason goes to hell, and I promised them we'd have him on for something more serious. Something normal. <laughs> no, I, I'm excited about that too. And you know, we we give them crap sometimes for just covering like garbage movies, but really they've done some fantastic episodes on more so-called movies. serious. No, I love their garbage movies too. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, and I love garbage movies, but yeah. I also love when they talk about a more serious film. Like, speaking of Babadook, holy shit. Yeah, they did a really good. Their episode on the Babadook mm-hmm. was maybe their best episode ever. I say that a lot, yeah. but maybe it really was <laughs> this time. I told them it was really good, um, uh, but we did it first. Damn. Of course we did. But no, it <laughs> anyway. was super good. You're right. But yeah, like they they are much more than just jokesters who are going to like riff on crappy movies like they um they do a fantastic job handling, you know, more mainstream and serious movies as well. Even so when I they think... do the crappy movies, they bring heart into it. And they there's do. sometimes a reason for See, why they reptilicus. Yeah. Yes. And then you get to uh, you get a glimpse inside of what makes Steven and, and Leo tick. So mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I'm I'm very excited for them to come on to talk about Barbarian next week. I think it will be their fourth appearance on the show. So yes, they're they're, they're approaching Nicole territory. Not quite, yeah, but they're, they're quite know, around creeping up Bob, there. They're around Bob territory. Bob, right Bob level. And yeah. Soju. Oh, yeah. And Soju Soju's too. been on for four episodes. Hey, I want to get Caitlin on again soon. This is the 2023 is the year of like amazing first time guests. Like we've had a fucking killer run of amazing first time guests. Yeah, I've had a really good time covering movies this year with you guys. Me too, John. I'm really happy that you're back, man. I'm so happy to be back. So just wasn't the same without you, John. It It wasn't right. It wasn't right. Appreciate you guys. Now it's now it's right. Now everything's right. I gotta give a shout out. Um, I gotta give a shout out to uh, G Baby. Yes. Uh, he helped me a lot while you were gone putting the show together. Um, more than more than he knows. Um, he answered any phone call at any time of the day when I called him, and um, he always got back to me when I had a question about editing and stuff. And uh, I just I really value our relationship and our friendship. And he he just he's a good dude. So he's just a great guy. You know, yeah. he really is. He's a good Thank friend. You, He's boy. a good friend Appreciate to us you. all. Yeah, yep. he yeah, really he is. is. Um, yeah, Hyderberg, kudos to you for managing the technical aspects of the show while John was gone. I do not envy either of you guys because I do. <laughs> I I would totally suck at that. So, um, I respect to John to when he you, went, but... when he left and he told me you have everything you need to put the show together. And I don't think he just meant on a technical way i felt like you were actually telling me that like i could do it so i do appreciate Absolutely, that dude. yeah yeah it ain't easy this. i feel it was it. a learning curve but i'm i'm really i'm really happy with it and i want to keep doing some more of it so yeah all you've you, done a really great job you yeah there's no job. reason that you need to do all the work yeah um oh that's a love fest i know i really do love you guys i really do love you guys and caitlin i love you too um, i love you guys this is so much fun and i I have a whole list of movies. I have like 200 list movies that I have for Plug It Up. So I'll send you, if you have any ideas of ones you would want to come yeah, on yeah, cover, send it over. let me know. And... Talk scheduling. Yeah. I'd love to come on. Um, thank you, you for on being again. such a, thank you for being such a fantastic guest, Caitlin. Oh, thank um, you for such a good you. movie and good show. Um, thank you for your insights and your, your sharing of yourself. I mean, just a, a plus, a plus. So I hope you'll grace us again in the near future. Please. I would love to. <laughs> All right. Well, Everybody go find Barbarian. Do we know where that's streaming? I think it's on HBO. It's on HBO Max right now. Okay. Yeah, HBO Max. Um, go Where watch that. That's a new one. It's from this year. So, or was it late last year? Last, last year. year. Last year. Yeah. Sorry. So go check that out. Join us back here next week for Barbarian, featuring guests Stephen and Leo from the Spoils of Horror. In the meantime, if you want to email us with your scary birth stories, <laughs> you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. Uh, like Jacqueline said, if you have any stories of uh, horrible motherhood or just, uh, you know, <laughs> great stories about motherhood, uh, you yeah, can hit us up at uh, you can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And don't forget to become our friend on Facebook, a cut above colon horror review. Give us those five star ratings on iTunes and Spotify. I also want to say one quick thing. It was an honor and a pleasure to meet you, Caitlin. Can't wait to have you back on. Uh, to everybody that has reached out to Hyderberg or Jacqueline uh, thinking about me, I appreciate you. Last but not least, my two co-hosts, Jacqueline, Hyderberg, I love you guys so very much. I appreciate everything that you guys did. Uh, it's awesome. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying. I'm going to keep plugging away day to day, but um, 
Yeah, uh, th this is wonderful. I can't wait to get to 100 and, uh, next week. Looking forward to it. All right. We love you, John. Love you guys. If I could give a quick shout out to real quick, uh, Anna and Hannah. They had me on Cinema Slab again this weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. We covered Yellow Jackets season two, episode one through three. And it was a blast to just talk with them. It's such a cool hangout with those guys. And I know they want to have you guys on sometime and they want to have them on here again. Uh, I, I want to have Anna and Hannah. Hannah hasn't been on yet, but uh, it was just such a fun time talking with them. So thanks to them for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Am I... Am I wrong to feel a little jealous that you're on their show so much? No, well, <laughs> it's the show thing. You don't watch a lot of shows. Actually, everybody keeps asking about you. And I said, well, she's actually going to be free pretty soon to possibly do some some uh, guest appearances. But I know you were yeah. busy at work and you had some yeah. stuff going on where you weren't, you know, timing is different for you with the rest of us. I'm, I got different. nothing else going on. That's all it is, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I know I know woe is me here. Like people have been inviting me on their shows. It just I have had to say no um, recently. I know Rob but... from Circle of Jerks has an episode planned for you. Oh, I think about that. I was just thinking about that earlier today. I think about that all the time. I'm like, I can't wait. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm freeing up some time. I'm gonna be um, coming on Anya Gore's show here sometime in the next month or so, talking about maybe. Nice. So I'm super excited. Oh. Uh, but yeah. So um, thank you to everybody who's invited me on stuff. Sorry, I haven't been available, but I will be now. So. <laughs> and I just anyway. want to say really, really quickly. If you are struggling with mental things right now, reach out to somebody. There is somebody out there that loves you and wants to help you out. I mean, hell, if you need somebody to talk to, contact me, contact Jacqueline, contact yeah. Heidelberg and Caitlin. We're all here to help you. So we we love and appreciate you. Yeah, we do. So Soapbox. Sorry. I'm yeah. No, man, it's, it's good, man. <laughs> well, and now that we've given our socials so they know where to find us. So. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well. All three of you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this wonderful episode, this um, enlightening conversation. It was so satisfying um, emotionally and intellectually. So thank you for that. Uh, use twos, guys, or whatever they say in Philly. I don't know. Use guys. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> See you back here next week to, to talk about Barbarian with Stephen and Leo. And uh, yeah. And always remember to keep it creepy. <laughs> <laughs>